Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Long Form Interview. The Submission Squad presents Long Form Interview. <laughs> I'm, of course, your host, uh, Evan Jalistico. I almost forgot my name for a second. Joined, as always, by the Rep Scallius, uh, Matt Jackson. And on the phone... Finally! Uh, we've yes. made this happen. Finally, and I want you to know, Matt and I are six feet apart. Our guest is on the phone talking to another phone. So that's how high-tech we are with this. Um... <laughs> Uh, finally, we're making this happen, and of course, we have the incomparable Jacob Durden. Oh man, the incomparable and Jacob! What an introduction! I try one Jake to another, you know. Yeah, very formal. I love it. Thank you. We've been trying to make this interview happen for a while. We had it on the docket yeah. for uh, last <laughs> for last Friday, but I unfortunately developed a kidney stone, so uh, we had to push off recording. But we're happy to have this going on today how you been man are you holding up okay uh um you know i'm starting to unravel a little bit over here starting to lose it ready to get back uh to a little bit of normalcy but i'm doing good that's good i don't have kidney stones hey yeah that's that makes you better off than me well at least Uh, last week what what, yeah it was brutal Absolutely terrible. Shut up. And if you want to hear more about the kidney stones, join our Patreon. <laughs> <Yeah>. www.patreon.com <laughs> slash STL Anarchy. Nope. Anarchy STL. Anarchy S- I always switch those back. So there. Don't give away that content. Yeah. People pay to hear about your kidney the stones. Kidney stones are Patreon only. <laughs> see, how, see how easily I can transition to your other stuff. Yeah, it's beautifully done. <laughs> we are... We, we haven't been on the public podcast in a while, but we sure have not missed a beat. No, God, no. So let's, we're going to go ahead and get started here with the typical, uh, even though we hate interviews that start out this way, we start all of ours out this way. Well, I think, and especially for Jake, like, how many interviews have you done in a while, Jake? Um, not a little bit. I haven't done, I definitely haven't done one since, uh, you know. Uh, self-quarantine and all that stuff and yeah no it's been it's been it was a while before that probably so it's been a bit okay so yeah so i think this is a fine time for people who don't know jake durden to get associated with where he's come from what he's all about and why i'm spinning this hammer yeah hands. you're gonna eventually wipe out both these phones with that hammer it's true i'm gonna put it behind so me. how did you uh get introduced to independent pro wrestling uh, or just uh, wrestling in general uh, wrestling in general, let's see, that was, I was, I think, seven, probably. And I was watching WWF first, and so I was a Hulk fan until I was a Warrior fan. And then my uncle, uh, you know, made me realize that there was another, you know, world out there with NWA, WCW, and all that stuff. And then independent wrestling, let's see, I, that was a... You know, one of the, you know, I'm sure we've all stood on a million like corners outside the WWE shows, right? No, oh, yeah. One of those. So yeah, just seeing seeing that flyer for the first time, going, "Holy shit, <laughs> who are these guys?" Do you remember what flyer it was and for who? No, I wish I did, man. I don't even know if I remember anybody on it. In my heart, I want to say Kevin Kevin X was on it, but I have no clue. You know what? At the time, that's. I would 100% believe that Kevin X was on that flyer. Yeah, right? So, fair enough. Hogan fan. I was a Hogan fan as well. Were you a Warrior fan, though, once Warrior came along? Or did you stick with Hulkster? I I, I stuck with the Hulkster. I was never a big uh, Warrior guy. I don't know why. I I just never cared for him. 
I, went I for... was, and I still am. Like, um, if I if if I see an action figure of Ultimate Warrior out there, like on a shelf, <laughs> I can't like pass it up. I gotta grab it. That's fair. I uh, I went from Hogan to uh, Savage, even as a bad guy. He was just so fucking visually appealing to look at. Savage is amazing, man. Huh? And I mean, God, how his stuff holds up is incredible. Also, I might have had a crush on Sherry. Yeah, yeah. So. Especially early, I, I like early '92 Sherry when she starts with when she starts with Sean. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid. Oh. That was good. Yeah. So how did your training start? Training. Um. So I the very first time I saw a uh, ring that I you know could even consider training, I was in a at Utopia Studios. I was in a little shitty band, um, and that was just kind of how I was getting my creative like you know, juices out, you know, and, um, probably in my heart should have just been a pro wrestler the whole time. I was just in a band for a little bit cause I think that was something I could do. And I saw it in the back one day. I was like, Oh shit. Is that like a boxing ring back there or something? You know, so I walked back there and had a quick conversation, realized it was a wrestling ring. I was like, Oh damn. And that kind of caught, caught my eye and realized that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's right in front of me. It seems much more tangible now after you've, uh, you know, walked in and seen the place where he can start learning and I don't know I guess that bug got planted and grew <laughs> I mean I think I think it's in all of us when we started watching where was this at again? Utopia Studios and where? I don't know what that is I don't know like city is. and state I don't know where that is St. Louis that's downtown like uh, oh. on Children's Hospital St. Louis okay hmm. yeah. whose ring was it? It was uh, it was Dynamo Pro. Oh, oh I didn't even okay. know they yeah. had a ring there. Um, so I did you start training late? Because I started training at like twenty one. That's which yes. would be considered late, as like a lot of people get in at eighteen. Some get in now at fourteen. What what age were you when you started? I was twenty eight. Yeah, I was super late. Yeah. That's about same as me. Yeah. Oh man. Did I you mean, have any benefits of that? Like looking back on it too, I'm sure I um, did not take a bunch of stupid bumps that I might have took if I would have started a little bit younger. So there's there's some pluses to that, you know, and just the bump card is, you know, it doesn't get filled up quite as fast, you know. So there's some positives, but right. overall, I definitely wish I would have started a little younger. Obviously. Well, I think something nice too about it, like starting late is the later you start, the more in theory financially like secure you should be to be able to pursue this like if you're fresh out of college like you need a job and most jobs aren't gonna be like oh i need let's say tuesday thursdays and the weekends free most jobs will tell you to go fuck yourself right especially any good paying job at that time so yeah so there's trade-offs like anything else so uh but yeah if you'd asked me if if i would have uh, seen that a little bit earlier if i'd have seen something like that at 18 and realized that that was something that was real um. Yeah, I probably would have pursued it then, but it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't even occur to me. Like I thought, like, like I'm saying, I'm a warrior fan. I thought you had to be like born uh, six feet six and look like him and come out, you know, with face paint. <laughs> well, you <laughs> are. considered. So you are a pretty big dude. So when did you? And this is. I remember one of the questions that you got asked on our Twitter was, "When did you start hitting your growth spurt?" Like. 
I was always a I was always a pretty big kid. I, I was a big kid growing up and uh, big in high school and stuff. Fairly big in college, you know. So I'm, you know, I was always a a big dude. Um, okay. But I guess I didn't realize like how how big I was and that it was something tangible until uh, it was the the season of Tough Enough with uh, Austin in it and the the big dude Andy Levine or whatever. He was uh, the one that kept you know saying he was going to win. Uh, I kept calling him a monster, and he was six six. I was like, oh shit, I'm six six. I'm at the weight room, you know. I, I just didn't even think about it like that. All right. Did you play any sports in uh, high school or college? Yeah, I played uh, three sports in high school, and I played basketball in college. But I wasn't good, really. I just, uh, you know, big, big bruising uh, backup center. Yeah, we'll get into NWL later. But a quick aside is there was one pickup game played in the history of NWL. <sighs> And me and Durden were on the winning side of that pickup game. <laughs> Man, some of the... I totally forgot about that. I don't know if I would have ever remembered that. I do not say that. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I was so happy that that venue had a basketball hoop. And I'm sure I had heat with some people because, like, I, we, I, we play, I played basketball the whole time. I didn't help tear down. I didn't do that. I was like, man, <laughs> I'm, worse. I want to play basketball in here. And, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Who was our third? Um, Is son of a Regal? bitch. No, the one of the Regals was one of the Regals was injured. The was one, Sharkbait? Sharkbait was on the other team. Okay, uh, I think I was guarding Sharkbait. Vega, I think, was maybe our third. Oh, it might have been. It might have been. I think right. I think Vega was our third. Yeah. So there was there a point <laughs> when you did you ever see independent wrestling before before you started training? Um, I saw, let's see, one really, you know, fairly crappy independent wrestling show in Bowling Green, Missouri at the Bowling, or at the, like, the county fair, um, outside, you know, it, it was, uh, there was probably, like, one dude on the show that, you know, looking back, I was like, ah, oh, that guy might have done something, um, and every and everybody else, it was pretty rough to watch. It was a pretty rough show. So, um, I wish I could. I wish, you know, I would do anything to do it, go back to that show now and document every single thing that I saw, every wrestler, and what their gimmick was, and all that stuff. So I had a better uh, recollection of it. But I saw like one. It was awful. Oh, I remember. But it was great I, because it was awful too. So yeah. Well, like. When we got together, like, we would watch, well, Matt and Gary would watch shitty wrestling on the, uh, fuck, what is that called? YouTube. No, 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 before YouTube, <laughs> like, uh, 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 local, ca- local cable. Oh, cable access. Cable yeah. access. Okay. And that's... Well, it wasn't all bad. I mean, GCW was on there, and they were good. They were Saturdays, though. Um, the bad one was... Some of the MPW stuff was pretty bad. And there were some other. I didn't have anything like that. I would have watched that. I definitely would have. Oh man, we. I had where I was when I was a kid, like growing up, was just WWF, WCW. Yeah, well, by the time we discover this, we're trying to break in the business. So okay, and that was kind of my because when I first thought about being in wrestling, I never figured i'd wrestle at all i wanted to be a commentator or a storyline writer because i because i same thing as you said i was like man you got to be in really good shape you got to be a big dude to do this but then when i started seeing more indies i was like well shit i mean 
some of these guys are terribly out of shape and have no business doing this. So I can sure try and, and see <laughs> yeah. what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. And some of the people we made fun of ended up starting our training for a well, month yeah. or so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, months generous, a week or so. Yeah. Uh, so, God, I love it. So the first thing I remember seeing of you wasn't a match. Um, I think, and I, I mean, I could be wrong, but you released a whole bunch of, like, short videos, didn't you, before you debuted? Yeah, I yeah, that was something I... I just really kind of mess around with stuff one night. Um, and I just kind of stumbled on some stuff that I liked and stuff that my wife thought was cool. And so, if I, you know, if my, my wife hates everything about wrestling and all that stuff. So it's like she thought it was kind of cool. And I was like, all right, let me give it a shot then. So, um, but yeah, that was like the one of the first things I think that kind of got me noticed a little bit. I haven't really had many matches. I might have had like one or something, but uh, yeah, I was real, real new and I was doing those first couple and they're cool. They're fun. It was fun to play around with those. Yeah, I, uh, I really liked them because when you, I'm pretty sure like when you break in by that time, we've already like we've separated from Dynamo. So we weren't around. Right. when you made your debut but i remember seeing those videos and i was like man these are really these are really good like this guy can talk really well um how so long yeah. did you train before you did step in the ring from bell to bell so i think it was i want to say it was like nine months it was supposed to be like three right um and i was supposed to have my first show and I don't remember what the deal was, but it was something with, I want to say, wasn't there an issue or something with maybe like Adam Pierce and the Sheik and NWA title a couple of years ago or something? Yeah. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So that little thing or whatever just caused like a, a, a booking change for Adam and Adam ended up on the Dynamo show. And so he, he got in the main event, which kind of bumped everything down the card a little bit, which bumped me off. And so I had to wait like an additional six months till they ran their next show. And so I was super Jeez. bummed. So it was like nine months in. Wow. All right. That's yeah, because they weren't running very unnecessary. much. Well, they weren't running very much back then, right? Yeah, that's true. Right. Well, they, hit that, they would hit the period they usually took. I think it was like the winter off. Uh, because you know that venue had other stuff that came in during during the season and stuff, so yeah. they ran pretty, you know, fairly heavy like uh, three quarters of the year it seemed like, and then they had that one season where they kind of had to take uh, take breaks. So makes sense. Yeah, because they were running in that indoor soccer park. Yes. Yeah. I uh, remember. I think the last time we I ever worked for Dynamo outside of when we we did that one off for the Kenny for Kenny Garrett when he asked us to. Was one, it was at that soccer field, and they it was a fucking like real bad thunderstorm, and mm -hmm. the power went out, and oh, they man. they ended up having to cancel the show at intermission. But my match oh, was man. my match was on the first half, so I worked. I remember that show. Dark or what? Oh yeah, it, it, oh, black I mean, in there. Yeah, I worked there. Like it was before was the power went out, but once the power went out, it was like pitch black in there they waited a little bit and i mean they had to cancel it i, I was supposed to wrestle adam rich on the second half yeah yeah i remember that yeah we had a oh, super man. stupid finish 
wrestling and wrestling has so many stories yeah <laughs> right it's like never an end to them yeah absolutely yeah that's great do you have any good training stories training stories man i don't know um I mean, uh, you know, all kinds of cool, you know, fun stuff from when we were in Japan, but just like initial training, I'm trying to think. Um, I think that it was a really fun experience. I, you know, Mike, Mike Schroeder was my first trainer. He's awesome. I got to give him props. He always, um, he always helped, you know, helped me see stuff in me that, that he saw, which was a big help, especially early on. And, Ricky Cruz was a big help, just kind of getting, uh, you know, a lot of basics and fundamental and psychology and stuff uh, pinned down and stuff. But uh, really, I'd say, like, the most fun stuff as far as training is just the camps, going to, like, the ROH camps or the, the Harley camps and all that stuff. I think that was where I probably had the most fun and probably added the most little touches and stuff like that. Yeah, your training seems to mirror – a lot of what our training was so like adam raw and nick tyson they taught us a lot of like fundamentals but you know they weren't like country travel world traveled competitors so right. we, we went and did like we didn't do a lot of camps we did a whole bunch of like individual seminars like matt seidel delirious samoa sure. joe nigel mcginnis aries all, all kinds of people Hogan. and yeah. <laughs> yeah, never never did that Hogan seminar. Yeah, you missed it. I was there. And brother, Paul was on fire. I'm talking, uh, of course, of Crocodile Kid, Paul Hogan. Ooh, I was supposed but, to be in the third one. And I, I always tell people, like, I reckon, I recommend that highly to do a ton of seminars. Hmm? I do, too. I, I, I could not agree more. I think he just... Um, whether you, you know, and some of them, I came out of the seminar loving the person, and some of them feeling like, oh, man, you shouldn't meet your heroes. and the, But every single one, you come out of it with something that got you better, you know what I mean? So it didn't really matter if you liked the person that much or not coming out of it. You got you got either something or a million, million different things out of it. All right, I think my favorite seminar story, and this is kind of sad looking at it, but... Uh, there's a place in Indiana that did a Steve Carino seminar and they charged okay. these people like 50 bucks a head to do this seminar. Well, we were coming from St. Louis. We didn't do this seminar. Uh, so, but we get to the venue seminars, like, I don't know, maybe 10% started already. We go sit in the locker room and they have a monitor back there yeah, yeah. where you can watch the matches. Except they have the monitor on, and the Steve Carino seminar was like a classroom seminar. It wasn't bumps. It was like he had out like a whole pamphlet, like six-page pamphlet. He'd go through it with you. And so we just kind of sat in the locker room and got to watch the seminar for free because they never turned off the feed. And then... (laughs) Later on, like they're like, "Oh, hey, uh, we got some extra pamphlets. You guys can just have these, and we got to take the pamphlet home with us for for free." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was a very good <laughs> seminar. That that pamphlet was very informative. Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah, <laughs> golden moments in pro wrestling, right there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't feel as bad because we end up working for that place multiple, like two other times. One time, 
we got shorted another time. We were halfway. It was like a no. We were a mile from the venue. Yeah, and they canceled, and they canceled the event it. and then didn't pay us for traveling out there. <laughs> so the well, the the seminar is a fair trade off. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah, you're good. Who are some of your favorite seminars or camps? Um, man, it's, uh, favorites. That's interesting. Right. Uh, I like Colts. I thought Colts was good. Um. I did like, um, I like heroes. I'm trying to think, uh, who maybe some of my favorite ones. You know, I probably one of the ones that uh, I did one of the Harley race camps where Steamboat was there, and I got a lot out of it. Um, it was a it was it was kind of a frustrating camp in different ways because you had different audiences there, right? Because you had uh, Japanese uh, people over there from some of the offices, and then you had Steamboat in there, and they're looking for completely di- two different things. And so you get feedback on day one, you know, for for one style, and then you try to apply that, and then they you get kind of lambasted on day two from the other style and stuff. So there's frustrating stuff in that. But man, it actually just like forced them to give you a whole bunch of information that maybe they wouldn't have done if you were trying this other style. So there was there was times like that where maybe it was more frustrating, but you got more out of it too. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely imagine that. And it helps you to determine like what style you're working in front of what crowd. Absolutely, it definitely uh, taught me that in a quick like 48 hour kind of thing. Like, oh, okay, well, I need to understand my audience and. Yeah. Not just like figure a bunch of shit out to do and then go out there and do it. Hey, did you like it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's one thing that no real trainer, maybe there's, maybe Quack is an exception or someone else, teaches people. Like, you know, they teach you the basics and whatever, but I I don't feel I've ever seen a trainer take someone to the side or during a seminar be like, here's how you handle different areas and different towns and different crowds. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So. I'm trying to think. So, when's the first time we ever meet? Then would that be Metro Pro? I think so. Yeah, probably. Because I I was in Metro Pro fairly early, so I'm sure it, it was. I think Metro was the second promotion I think I was ever in. Oh wow! Yeah, because uh, they had one of the Rumbles coming up. Okay. Hmm. And so Metro was like one of those places on the list. Like you know, when you're breaking into pro wrestling. You know, you have all the list of places that you you want to get to and stuff. And Metro was one of those ones where I was like, yeah, it's local, and I'm seeing tons of really cool people on this. Um, it looks pretty awesome. Like, I definitely want to be at this place. And it just so happened that they had a rumble, um, and, you know, they needed some additional bodies for it. And, you know, I didn't really do much in it or anything, but I did enough to – um, get another opportunity, you know, when that came back around. So I was, it was cool to be able to get a good, like, get a good start in a good place. Now, did you talk to Chris initially, or did Jim talk to Chris for you? Jim did, yeah. Okay. Yep. After that, yeah. what was it like? I always like to ask this question for people who know Chris. What was it like to meet Chris for the first time? Because I, I like Chris I a lot. I wish I remember, really. God, okay. what was it like to meet Chris? Um... <laughs> <laughs> what a loaded question. Right. I don't remember. I, I wish I remember the first time I actually met him. Uh, I, we, we always got along really good. We still go along good. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 
feel like that's going to lead me into like a million big country quotes or something. <laughs> that's fair. So the backtrack, I, I know a lot of fans are, are really wanting to hear about uh, your time in Japan. So how, how does that like happen? How do you get that opportunity? So yeah, you, yeah, you're not backtracking yet, so you're good. It was probably I want to say it was it was the second year in, or almost to the second year. So it was really early on. I was really fortunate. Uh, definitely didn't deserve that kind of opportunity yet, but I knew like shit. You know, I'm still I still have to take advantage of it. I know there's people out there who probably deserve it more than I do, but you know, it, it's offered to me, and I really need to. You know, I'm 28. I need to put my training in a you know time vacuum and learn as much as I can as fast as I can and there's definitely not going to be a better opportunity than that so uh, I was pretty pumped about it I didn't ever really see myself as the guy that would go to Japan I thought if anything else I would do like an American TV type company and I never really even pictured myself in Japan and so when it was, when it was offered to me I I don't know I was pretty shocked and took me a second to like I don't know it took me a second to register but you know obviously it's the opportunity to go lifetime so i'm definitely gonna go so it was it was cool i miss it uh i miss it like crazy well so how did you get the opportunity was it from the harley camp yeah yeah i went to the harley camp and they had uh, a couple of folks there from noah um rue nakata uh was there from the office as well as who was there that year marshima um can't remember if they had anybody else there. It may have just been Morishima that year. Oh, I think Ishimori might have been there as well. Um, but they, so they had a couple of guys down there that year, and um, they were going to pick two people from the camp to go. And um, they chose myself and Kyle Sebastian, who's from Western Canada. He did, he's super good. Um, he did an awesome job over there too. And we didn't even honestly know. Um, even till the day we got there, we we were got we were in the van from the airport coming out like hey did you bring your ring stuff are, are we only training or could we potentially wrestle and stuff and you know as we're getting out of the van and dropping off uh eddie edwards at his hotel and he's like all right so you guys are in that six man tomorrow huh i was like whoa shit um i guess <laughs> i guess we're working you know so we didn't even really honestly know until you know night one of being there wow that's crazy yeah yeah because i kind of the way it was almost laid out to me was it was likely going to be more of a training excursion and so if that and you know if that goes well might bring you back for another one and then at that point maybe you'd be at some matches so um yeah it was it was pretty it was kind of surprising but it was awesome how long were you there uh not uh what was it 87 days 87 days wow yeah oh wow i didn't just, know you were over there that long like a little shy of three months yeah exactly uh, they keep it just under 90 days for the you know purpose of the visa oh okay yeah that makes sense what yeah. uh wow how do you explain that to like I, I i was she your wife at the time or girlfriend fiance or like I, family i proposed I, I proposed her pretty much right before we left and okay. so we're you know, essentially planning our entire wedding a world apart, and that was chaotic at times. I that was imagine. the worst part about being there. Right. Everything else I loved, but that was the toughest part. Well, I mean, now, would you be able to leave, or would it take you still a couple of years to get there? Because, you know, your son's still pretty young. Would you, like, if that offer came up again, is that something you'd be interested in? 
I guess it depends on, you know, what kind of opera it was. If it's, you know, come do tours and so spend two weeks at a time and then come back home, you know, all day, every day, man. But um, even, you know, even three-month trips or something like that, um, yeah, I'd probably still consider it, you know, and I think, uh, you know, my family would probably tell me to do that as well and be understanding and it would be difficult, but they would um, do it, you know, we've, Sure. Uh, we kind of went through an experience like that when we did the NWL stuff. I don't want to touch on that too early and get that when it comes to it. But yeah, so yeah, we've kind of been in situations like that. Um, if it meant hey, move us all over there, they both might hate it, or at least <laughs> my wife might hate it. I'd be like, okay, we gotta go. So it's awesome. Trust me. You telling me your son's not <laughs> fluent in Japanese at this young age? I don't know. He does. He he's he, yeah. He's fairly he's fairly. Uh, uh, fluent, but uh, it's more in dinosaur than anything. <laughs> he so, speaks raptor. So, what are some yeah. uh, memorable matches you had during your time there? Um, the best matches I had were with Maro Fuji. I he, um, I don't know. He's man. He's probably the best wrestler I've ever wrestled in my life, and he was just so smooth and. Looked so impactful, and he just never touched you. Uh, but he just made everything you did easy. So you know, there's a, there's a few guys you end up in the ring with, right, where you can do anything you want to at all, and they're gonna figure out a way to make it good no matter what you do. You could try to make it bad, and they're gonna make it entertaining no matter what. And he was one of those guys, so it was super fun. And you know, they were always kind of. Uh, you know, only feedback I'd always get after every match of more crazy, more baka, more baka, more crazy, more crazy. Mm. It's like I am throwing chairs against walls, like chucking chairs from like the eighth row into the ring, like without looking. Uh, I'm, I'm like bad. I'm fighting amongst the crowd. I'm like whipping the, the fucking bull rope around and shit. And I'm like, I don't know what else you guys want me to do. I feel like I'm gonna fucking hurt people. <laughs> Just pull out a gun and shoot somebody. Ah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. That's, that's what I thought, but yeah, it, it was my Fuji matches. I was like, okay, fuck it. So I just started throwing chairs around. And I, I, I put a, I put a bull rope around his neck and I dragged him up through the crowd, up the, up the, up the audience and stuff. So I just started doing some more shit, and then finally, in that night, they're kind of like, ah, oh, very good, very good. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> finally, fuck. Now, were these matches online anywhere? Um, I don't know. There used to be a couple. Um, that, what was the, man, I wish I could think of the user's name, but I think his stuff isn't even on there anymore, unfortunately. Um, you could look for, um, Noah's Ark, what was it, Noah's Ark or something like that? I think it was Noah's Ark. Okay. Or Noah's Ark or something like that. Uh, I used to upload stuff, especially back in the day, like when I was there. So there was a couple cool ones. There was a good one of a uh, good tag match with me and, uh, Zack Saber Jr. versus Ishimori and uh, Morishima on TV, and that that was good. And man, if you watch that match, just understand that Morishima beat the fucking shit out of me in that match. He pretty wow. heavy. Yeah, it, it not at the house shows. Going to house shows, it's super super light, great, super easy to work with and stuff. But uh, red light turns on, and holy fucking shit on everything, <laughs> everything. He kicks out of your lateral press, and he fucking nails as hard as he can it's like (laughs) so what's it like calling a mat uh who i forgot his name already yeah (laughs) how how is it to call a match with him 
the Mario Fuji's got fairly good English. Um, so, and that's what you kind of run into there. You know, there was a section of the guys, uh, like Mara Fuji or like Mohamed Yone, uh, who had great English. And so it's actually pretty easy. You know, you just kind of call them the same way we would call, but, um, let's see, I had a lot of matches. Like I probably had the most matches with, um, um, Shuhei Taniguchi and he speaks very little English. And so it's a lot of, uh, gestures of, uh, uh, this, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, huh? Maybe, uh, you do powerbomb moves and suplex, and you know, <laughs> you're just kind of showing them and figuring it out. And then by the time you wrestle like your fourth or fifth match, you know, each other's stick and where you kind of want to go, and maybe, well, maybe change this, maybe change that, you know what I mean? But yeah, now when we talked to Shire, he said when he went, he was on like there were two kinds of ways gaijins were there was like the training gaijin and then there was like the guest gaijin which one yeah. were you i don't know see the, it's okay. the same there but and going in we thought we were going to be a training gaijin and when when we got there and we started working it, it was kind of a blend like that we still had we're doing all the uh workouts with the young boys in the morning we were still doing all the dojo cleaning we were still um doing all the stuff with the bags um, and stuff like that to get ready to go for the shows and stuff. But at the same time, uh, we were supposed to still be in character. So, you know, if, if we're coming out of a show um, and there's people out there, the young boys are going to pile the bags up in the bus and Kyle's going to do his dance and I'm going to bark at people. But, you know, if we're, if we're not in that kind of environment, we're definitely expected to be like, okay, you need to be pulling your weight and doing your shit. Okay. All right, we're going to come back to Japan here in a minute, but we need to pause and save because we're not confident in our abilities. <laughs> we are back. Save beautifully. Nicely done. Beautiful save. There. Beautiful save with beautiful little hands. So you did some training, and then what was like a what was a day of training like then? Like uh, In up, Japan? Yeah, like up at 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. or what? If I let's see, if I remember correctly, I believe it was up at about seven. I mean, you you know, I think we had to start cleaning at either seven thirty or eight in the morning. I can't remember. So it was usually, I think it was up by like usually for us, it was like up by seven, so we could um, no training started at That's what it was. So we had to get up by like seven or something to make sure we got breakfast eaten and do all the cleaning, take out the trash, you know, stuff like that. Um, the young boys, the main young boys would be, um, up probably a little bit earlier because they may have to like prep, uh, food and stuff like that for the day for like, you know, Chonko after training and stuff. But so, um, they'd probably be up at like six, like Kumano and some of the other young boys. Um, Kumano's like the head young boy, okay. um, who was awesome. But, uh, and then, yeah, training from usually like eight to noon in the ring and then, uh, take a break and go down and meet Chonko with uh, the team, with his, which is kind of like uh, just a Japanese stew, which I fucking miss so much. It's so good. Holy shit, I can't believe it. <laughs> um, and that was pretty much every day. They just have like a different flavor each day and stuff, and then you go up, do some weight training for a couple hours, and then the rest of the day is yours. So, it was, yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was a cool experience. So you like the food? Some people say they don't. Some love it. You, you... I loved it. 
I love the food. Yeah, because like, yeah, chocolate every day. I will eat that shit every day. It was amazing. Um, and then I liked um, most uh, everything that I had there. I tried crazy stuff too. There was stuff I didn't like. Like I had, like uh, they try had me try raw horse. That was not great. <laughs> it's pretty much what you expect. Yeah. Um, but uh, everything else, like man, I miss Lawson's. Like just like a little Seven Eleven type store uh, that was like right across from the dojo. And, going over there and grabbing mystery meat on a stick and a couple like <laughs> things that just like look good, you know? And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I miss it. Okay. Did you have like a training or traveling buddy, like a buddy system sort of thing? Um, not necessarily a buddy system really, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Kyle was kind of that guy for me just because we both went, were the only two that had started there at the same time. Um, okay. Eddie started his tour with us at the same time, and let's see, Bobby was uh, Bobby Fish was over there at the time too, um, and then uh, the the Aussies were over there too, like uh, Bronson Reed, um, and then uh, TMDK were over there too. Okay, so hmm. and Zach, of course. Yeah, man, that's that is that a crazy a lineup. Roster. Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty good roster. So oh, really, you, uh... there were some damn good shows back then. So you had how many matches did you have while you were over there? I don't remember the count, honestly. But a lot, probably way more than what you expected you were gonna have. Way more, way more <laughs> than what I expected. I was on most shows wow. in some way. Like there was a couple shows I wasn't on, just like regular whatever shows. Like maybe some house shows I wasn't on here and there. And there's uh, you know some of the more major events, and I definitely wasn't on like. Um, burning hammer like kobashi's um final show or anything like that but uh but you were over there for it right yes wow. that was uh that was crazy i mean yeah that was the coolest experience as far as like being a pro wrestling fan like that building was uh vibrating it was nuts like my back was kind of against one of the walls just kind of hanging out back there and um the whole building was like shaking it was crazy wow so <laughs> that's got to be nuts to like well, I'm going over here to train for for three months, and before you know it, you're fucking wrestling Marafuji and Morishima. Yeah, and I'm in Cork and Hall, and I'm walking down, you know, hallways. I'm seeing Suzuki and Muda, and I'm like, shit, this stuff got real quick, you know? And I was right. like, damn, I was, I was a seven-year-old again. <laughs> First time I wrestled Morishima, and he... Uh, uh, he came out. He came out with his with his big robe and his helmet on that night, and I was like, "Holy fuck, this is!" I was like, "This is what it feels like for people to wrestle the Undertaker." Like Morishima was like, almost like one of those guys for me. He was like one of the dudes that I really wanted to wrestle. So he came out that night with all his shit on. I was like, "Oh fuck, this is like <laughs> I'm a little kid right now." That's a hell of a learning experience too, because mm-hmm. if you're wrestling constantly over there against those high level guys you're obviously going to get way better, like, really fast. Real fast, yeah, and I didn't know anything. Man, I was just, I was super reliant on a couple of those guys, too, like, early on. Like, I, I was, like, really reliant on, like, Eddie and Bobby of, like, what do I do? How do I, you know, how do you, how do you get over over here? It's so different, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I was so new that I don't even really know if I really knew how to get over in general in the states and stuff and now i'm over here trying to get over in front of these people i'm i remember this i think it was like the third night i was in japan i still didn't you know i don't even have an offense hardly really in wrestling yet and uh 
I remember I was in this tag match. It was me and Bobby versus Morishima and Yone. And he tags me in. I just fucking look at big Morishima standing there looking at me. I'm like, I don't know what to fucking do. (laughs) (laughs) At all. And I just heard one dude in the crowd say something. There was one dude in the crowd that just said something. And I just turned. I looked at him. And I hopped out of the ring over the top rope. I stormed up the ramp. And I just stood and looked at him because I didn't know, honestly, I didn't have a single clue what to do in the moment, right? So that was the only thing I could think to do. And as soon as I just stopped and stared at him, he goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pop me, I almost broke. And I, I don't know, it just kind of made it easier. And, uh, I still probably fumble fuck through the rest of the match, but I'm never going to forget that moment. You know, to go back to the, what we very first were talking about, that's probably one of the instances where breaking in at a at a older age of twenty eight, <laughs> because yeah. if you would have gotten the same opportunity at like twenty, twenty one years old, like I, you know, I don't know, man, like that's a lot of pressure for someone that young to to have to fucking deal with. Where being older and having more life experience might have made it easier to deal with some of that pressure. You hear Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Had I been more well studied to uh, the the nuance changes in you know America to Japan pro wrestling, I think it would have made it a whole lot easier too because I did a whole lot of, uh, learning on the fly in like the first like two week tour where like you can't do that, you can't do that, dude, you can do this, you can do that all day. I'm like fuck, oh shit, really? Like you can't, you don't want me to punch, but you want me to go fucking throw chairs and like <laughs> hit fans and shit. Like are you, I don't. Yeah. Like some of this isn't computing right away, but then I totally started to understand it. You know, it was just uh, it just took me a took a little bit of learning curve at first. So, okay. So you did was you did the um, ROH Top Prospect Tournament, right? Yes. So how did that all come about? Um, that was another thing where I think uh, Jim kind of put a word in early for me, and um, uh, you know, kind of talked to. Hunter, when he was, um, you know, the head guy at the time, I think still is. Um, if it's not, you know, I don't know what their thing is now. But um, so, yeah, I talked to him and um, got in over there and did a couple of seminars early as well. And they went fairly well. Um, and it was pretty much right when I got back from Japan. So um, I was probably the you know best shape that I'd ever been in and stuff. And um, didn't have a really good look yet, honestly. I was still not that I'm, you know, not that I'm, you know, I'm no macho man. I don't have the fucking coolest year of the world or whatever, but um, definitely at the time was still pretty rough and still pretty green looking. So, um, but yeah, I got an opportunity to go down there, and uh, there's some cool, good workers in that tournament. Okay. Who, who did you uh, face in the tournament? Dijak. Oh, okay. Dijakovic, yeah. Yeah. Right. Whatever but, happened to him? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, so let's side something good. Let's sidetrack something I care to talk about, and that's gear. Did you ever actually wear spandex at any point, or was it always kind of long pleather pants? It's always been pretty much the pants. Um, let's see, except for you know wearing like the singlet underneath for a couple stints there. You know, when I first started, and then uh, the first start in WL, which I'm sure we'll get into, but. Um, but I got a pair of tights. I've got one made, you know, it just does, uh, okay, here, I've got a generic fitting tights in case that's something, you know, I need them for whatever someday. So okay. I could be, I could be a tights guy someday. You never know. All right. 
So I guess to put a bow on Japan, like, have you ever had any talks about going back over there since then? Um, nothing that's really come of anything. So the, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, one of the one of the biggest things was Rue uh, was really, um, I think, integral in bringing us over, and he passed away. He had a heart attack, unfortunately. Um, I owe a lot to him because he really was a big part in uh, providing that early opportunity in my career. And uh, But, yeah, and so at, at pretty much shortly after that, you know, they'd kind of taken a turn with their business where they had a, a lot of really good homegrown young talent. They really were bringing in a ton uh, of gaijin at the time. And um, But, yeah, it's never really come back up as a major opportunity and a time that would work well, but I'd love to. I miss it. So then that kind of puts us at like the first run of Anarchy. You had two matches for us, the first run of Anarchy. Um, so I like when you come back to the States and you become like a top guy for Dynamo's business, right? Like you become the champion. And, right. And I mean, that's pretty much like why you weren't around a lot for Anarchy during the first run is we were big on like not booking other promotions champions. Like we wouldn't want to like make them lose or anything, but you did come in. I think you had just dropped their title and we were doing a thing with Fitchett where like night, his title thing was night one. He wouldn't know his opponent night two. He would. And I believe we brought you in as a surprise and you fought him. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I know you fought him, but I'm pretty sure it was like a surprise. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and I yeah, I remember that. That was it was super fun, but I was also um, kind of disappointed in my performance in that match. Honestly, um, I was excited for that match. I thought me and Fitchett would make a great uh, chemistry, and we really did. Like his his chemistry was awesome, um, but I don't think I was uh, I was expecting a couple of different things, and I shouldn't have been expecting stuff. I should have just been out there feeling the moment a little bit more than I was. And I just didn't really think that it was, uh, you know, the greatest performance I could have had. I was kind of bummed. Honestly, I, you know, nothing terrible or anything, but yeah, I was kind of wanting my performance to be a little bit more solid. Well, let's not gloss over it. Jackson and I both hated it. That's why the next time you're there, that's the next time you're there. I'm pretty if I would guess, because I'm pretty sure I stiffed him pretty good on like one shot, like right to the throat too. So I'm pretty oh. sure I throw a punch him pretty, pretty, pretty swiftly. Now Rook never had the best so, talking so, voice anyway. So obviously yeah. if you're wrestling, <laughs> if you were wrestling Fitchett for the belt, that means we are at the tail end of that first run of anarchy, which means that NWL would be happening. Um, how did you first hear about NWL? So I first heard about MWL. I was at my job at the YMCA working, uh, working, you know, the the fitness uh, area and stuff. And um, Chris called and was kind of like, "Hey, yeah, there's this guy that's been calling, uh, you know, a lawyer that's been asking some questions about Metro and kind of telling me some stuff about what." you know, they think they might want to do and I don't know, it just sounded interesting and uh, I just kind of told them, I was like, yeah, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm all in for something like that if, if anything like that should ever, uh, you know, turn into something. And I even told them, I was like, you know, whatever 
whatever capacity that means. Like, I just want to be a part of a pro wrestling company. And even if that meant like stuff in the backstage or like additionally, like, um, if I'm doing, you know, stuff in front of the curtain and behind the curtain, like both awesome, like whatever, the more, the better. Yeah. Well, before we get into more Metro, let's jump back just a little bit to some of the other promotions Jake worked for. Um, when you come back from Japan, you wrestled for a couple of different places, actually. Um, there's Zero One, there's um, PGP, right? Yeah. But the yeah. one I remember the most is the Trios Tournament for FIP. You oh, weren't yeah. there. Um, and then you were, it was you and then Nick and Carrie, right? Yeah. yeah. And I will... And so, and that was kind of put to, at least that little team was put together by PGP. We were representing PGP down there. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I think that was the only experience that I've ever had in pro wrestling of work really hard, do something well, get an immediate um, response. You know, a lot of, you know, most times it's do a lot of stuff really right, you know, work really hard for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you come up in a conversation later on that is apropos to nothing, right? And then you get a call or you, get, you talk to somebody or whatever, right? Right. Um, for, so for that one, yeah, we were, we were, you know, not supposed to be, you know, the guys going over in the tournament. We, uh, night one, we went out and we killed it. We were pretty excited, honestly. Like, we were, I remember us driving down to the show together, um, just talking and, really getting excited about the opportunity, just thinking, hey, this is a chance for us to, um, you know, make sure our names get out there a little bit more in a different market and, you know, a couple of bigger markets and stuff and just be seen a little bit more. And uh, I don't think we, we sat there and, like, planned out a match or anything like that, but I think we all kind of knew, like, hey, we're going to go out there and go fucking balls to the wall and just try to show show what we got and stuff. And and we, we did, and we I, I was proud of our performance. I thought we had, we had a lot of fun, and I thought the guys we worked with were awesome and helped out, and it was really fun matches. And, yeah, I remember sitting, uh, I think, it was, you know, day two, sitting over in Clearwater Beach. Mm-hmm. We went over there for a little bit and uh, checked out, was it Luke? Is it Luke? Well, yeah, Luke Williams got a shop over there, right? Like a gym? I don't know. Brother, do yeah. I look like I even know a guy named Jim? Come on. He, well, yeah. well, he does. So Bushwhacker Luke's got a gym over there. It's like uh, on the same strip as like Hulkster's shop and stuff. And so we're just over there just checking out shit and eating lunch and hanging out in Clearwater Beach. And, yeah, we get a call of like, hey, yeah, we want you guys to, uh, you know, do a little bit more. And we're like, oh, shit. So we kind of just found out then. And it was really that first experience, like, oh, we did we did something good, and something good happened immediately. So it was really cool, really rewarding. Yeah, I miss that. That was a fun time. Yeah, I remember. Like, uh, uh, I remember. Do you remember who you wrestled night one? I think our night one was against Team AWE. Do you remember? I can't. I, uh, oh, I think it was ACW, maybe. Because I know Jason Cade was in it. Okay. Because Jay. Because Jason Cade did the, the fucking craziest, sickest shit I ever seen in my life. He came up to us early, like, playing the match. He's like, all right, I'm going to do, like, a triple dive spot. First one's just going to be, like, a Topekan Hilo or something. 
the second one's going to be a springboard 450, and then I'm going to go up to uh, to the you know the deck, and I'm going to do a dive off of there. It's like, oh shit! He asked me first. He's like, which one you want to do? I was like, I'll take the first one. <laughs> <laughs> And then so he starts going around, like, doling out the other two dives. And so Carrie gets the second one, the, the Springboard 450. And, uh, you know, I think Cade is excited about that one, too. And he, you know, when he does it, he kind of over-rotates the 450 a little bit. And it turns into the fucking coolest fucking badass shit ever, this uh, 450 double stomp on the carry that you know carry lives through thank god and they does another awesome dive and i thought jason cade was the coolest wrestler of all time after that point you know what i'll be honest i really like jason cade he's uh, awesome he's a yeah. good dude too he's such a cool guy yeah, yeah he's so good too yeah uh now we won't talk about who the team that your team and my team both wrestled in it was from new jersey and there's a person on there that we can't talk about yeah but we can That's talk a- about Sonny Kiss, and he was actually, I had never heard of him at the point, but he was yeah. an absolute delight. Yeah, like, man, and so was, all right, so I wrestled Leo Rush in that tournament, too. He was in the semis, though. He wasn't on that team, was he? No. I think that yeah, team was okay. Sonny that Kiss, was Name Redacted, and, like, Alex Hunter or something. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, okay. Something like that, yeah, I remember. Yeah, um, yeah and that was it. So that was an interesting, um, interesting day too at the tournament. Yeah, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. There, and there's probably uh, some other stuff in there too, where um, there were some hurt feelings. I think um, you know, just some stuff didn't really. You know, I think there was a lot of there was. A, man, what's the best way to put this? I mean, you don't have to put it delicately unless you're worried that these people are going to not get your book somewhere. No, I do want to put it delicately just for the sake of everybody, but, like, I think there was just some hard feelings all day long, like, in the in, in several of the matches, and, and nothing of, like, uh, anything, nothing is just stuff that, like, came out of the matches, like, why'd you do this, why'd you do this, man, you stiffed me, shit like that, so it was, uh, there was just some weird shit like that going yeah. on throughout the day. Um, you know what? Like personally to me, but just shit I saw all day was kind of it was crazy. That's no. called night two of a double shot after yeah. multiple exactly, hours, right? multiple yeah, yeah. hours of travel, and everybody's crabby. No, he's right though, because exactly. I actually yelled at the the team that he wrestled because they didn't catch Austin on the dive because mm-hmm. Gary and I hip tossed Austin over the top rope I out to them. That. Yeah, yeah, and I was fucking hot about that. I'm like, there's three of you. Well, there's two of you, and then an enigma somewhere. Why the <laughs> fuck didn't you? I I was pretty hot about it. There was yeah, there was a lot of that kind of shit going on that uh, day. It felt like so yeah. That, that was the only uh, thing I was hot about. I just had like advice for him afterwards. Like that was it. Maybe you, yeah, you know what I was. Pay, maybe you should have given some better <laughs> advice to one member of that team. <laughs> Clear your phone, dead or kill you. You know what? Kill yourself. There it is. Um, fuck that guy. So. Before we dive into NWL, is there any... Hold on, because there's a third night. Shut up, Jackson. Because there? there was AWE. It was a oh, big right. six-man. and It was like you, me, and then... I don't remember the rest of them, but I remember you and me. And I remember somebody coming up to you and being like, do you want to dive? And I just looked at you and like, are you going to dive? And you were like, <laughs> fuck no. I was like, thank you. <laughs> Fuck no, it's night three. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus we got, yeah, I remember because we had to drive back, and I don't know what you guys' plans were. That 
day or how you guys worked or whatever, but I think we drove back and like slept from like 4 a.m. to like 8 a.m. in the hotel and then just drove the rest of the way and just got there barely in time. So I remember it being a pretty chaotic schedule and shit. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I can do a fucking dive. We can do some other fucking shit, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I know, I remember Gary is in the match. Yeah. I think it was a six man. I want to say it was a multi man at least. But yeah, but there was yeah, there was some fun stuff. Um, yeah, I remember running a couple of fun spots with you in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a good time. That was a fun weekend. You know what? It honestly was. I remember having a really good time. Uh, I think at that point we stayed with Trevin both nights, and then we stayed with Chip right before AWE. Because I remember okay. AWE was like the supplemental third night where like everybody traveling up was on the yeah. AWE show. Yeah. So. I, w- I will say this. I got a funny story. I won't drop the name or of, of who it was, uh, but you might know just by who was there. So like it was a, it was a veteran worker that was there. And uh, it was, I was sitting there after the show after, or after my match at least. Probably, and I, I think we were on first, if I remember right, or second or something like that early. And, I grabbed him as uh, he was kind of lacing up his boots and stuff. And I said, "Hey, sir, you know I, you know, apologize. I didn't get a chance to say anything earlier, but I, you know, I, I meant to ask you to see if you could maybe just watch my match and give us uh, some feedback. And uh, didn't get a chance to. Did you happen to catch any of it at all by any chance?" Uh, and he said, "What he he said he says to me, um, no, but I'm sure it was just fine." For a Sunday afternoon at a bar. <laughs> and I walked away and I was like, okay, well, fuck me. I, I bet I could guess who that was and I wasn't even there. Yeah, I, I, once we pause in a couple of minutes for this, it's somebody that I personally don't like anyway. So uh, There you go, yeah. Was, was he later at NWL? With this person, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so, ah. But, uh, well, yeah, it was, a, it was a really fun weekend. Uh, before we jump into NWL, is there any any other place you want to cover that you had a really good time or a really good run? Hmm, interesting. Uh, man, I don't remember. I guess I'd have to dig into my thing a little bit. I, I guess I will say one of the cool things, just real quick, going back to Japan, um, I did get offered to go do one spot show uh, with Kinsuke, uh Sasaki's office as well, Diamond Ring, so that was awesome. Um, and that one actually might have been one of my best matches while I was over there, too. I got to work um, uh, Nakajima, and he is fucking amazing and super good and kicks so goddamn hard. <laughs> um, and But everything was pinpoint, so you didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. But, you, but like, you know, sometimes you hit in the back and you're like, okay, what was that? Did you hit me with a brick? Did you hit me with an axe handle? You know, what, what are we dealing with here? Um, yeah, didn't fucking, he didn't have that. He just kicked the fucking shit out of you. Like, oh, no, I think he had me as a tank. I'm good. <laughs> At least you didn't and have to. I will say this. I did take one, uh, just one, like, like, quick little story kind of going back to Japan as well. Um, I remember, uh, kind of playing the match one night with, uh, Sugira. And he's fairly stiff if you're not, um, or snug at least if you're not familiar. Uh, but so we were kind of playing it out in the back and he gave me one. He said, uh, snap man, you build your butt and I'll kick you in the back. And when you do, I want you to fire up out of it. And I was like, okay, gotcha. We go out there. He snap man's me. 
he kicked me so fucking hard that there was lightning bolts coming out of my sh- like my fingertips and my oh. toes and like I jolted to my feet like uh, it, I was I was not a pro wrestling match there for an instant where I got up you know so quick just to punch a motherfucker in the face you know? <laughs> and then I realized oh shit I'm back and okay I am fired up <laughs> like, that works <laughs> yeah oh it, man it, it's funny that I, I mean and I. It's interesting how like Japanese stiff and American stiff is two completely different things. I remember when we would have Tozawa over all the time, and yeah. he worked with Gary multiple times. And you know, Gary's yeah. known for his chops and for like he's known to be heavy. And what we were at a Denny's one night. And someone asked Tazawa, like, oh, so Gary, is he, like, stiff? Like, does he hit hard? And Tazawa just started laughing. It was like, no, no, it's okay. Because <laughs> he's gotten his ass beat by, you know, God knows who. Like, the, the Japanese stiff, it's a whole different ball game than what it is over here. It is. Now, I will say this. Just to kind of, I'll just hit, like, one, one or two more, like, quick stories. But, like, the stiffest night... Um, in Japan, I remember was, um, you know, a close, a lariat party uh, with a bunch of chuhais uh, with like the Aussies and all that stuff in the fucking lobby of the Moa Dojo, just getting drunk one night, you know, and just like, all right, let's just start fucking railing each other with fucking, uh, you know, high head lariats as hard as we can to see who fucking is left standing. Just a heads up, Mikey Nichols is the. F- it's the fucking snuggest motherfucker with a, <laughs> with a clothesline. Jeez, Jesus. But there are some cool moments like that, too. Like, just going out and, like, drinking all night with, like, Morishima and stuff like that. Like, there's some awesome memories. And I got some cool photos that I'll, like, have forever. They were cool moments. Did you have any, like, hanging out with any sponsors or anything? Um, Let's see. No, like necessarily like big time sponsors uh some little some some smaller sponsors that like might come by and like uh just grab you for a meal or something like after a show on the road or something like that um and then the coolest one we did do was with uh wife so tawai's wife has a uh, restaurant so tawai is the president at the time and uh they basically have everybody out and go out to tawai's wife's restaurant she cooks for you and uh i remember just being starving going out there thinking oh this is gonna be awesome and like zach being like no you don't understand this is gonna be this is tough to get through i was like oh are you kidding me she's not, she's not like a good cook or whatever so like, no she's awesome she's an amazing cook but uh it's gonna be difficult and i'm like whatever i'm hungry i can't wait so we start eating meals and by like the third or fourth dish that she keeps bringing out i'm like i'm like oh yeah this is still badass like i'm starving everybody else is starting to be like okay i'm kind of done um like three or four more dishes come out and it's like okay i'm full and these guys are like okay i can't do shit you know i can't do any more at all but it's still like you have to eat something because it's bad uh you know right. kind of bad gesture to not eat you know and literally i think i wrote it down i've got it somewhere all the dishes but it was something like 18 or 19 separate uh full orders of food that she just came out um, course after course after course after course after course until you're just every single person there is just like looking around the table being like you better fucking eat that you better step <laughs> up you better help out everybody's There's taking lots like do you think that's a rib like on you guys like hey we're gonna I, we're gonna make I them no eat idea. a maybe, shit ton of food maybe 
he's over there just laughing at the silly, you know, foreigners uh, when we all leave. I'm not sure, but right. jokes uh, a little bit on them too because it was badass, dude. It was awesome. That's great. Fair enough. All right, well, before we jump into now NWL, I feel is where we're coming to. Yeah. Um, and, and feel free, like, if anything hits your mind, we can yeah. always backtrack to whatever. But uh, we're at about 30 minutes. We're going to yeah. take a quick break. I'm going to say the name of this individual, and I'm going to be proven right. And we'll be right back. It's all gone. We're all back. Right. We are back. So so you get the call from Chris. Uh, he tells you about Major. And what what I remember about this time is I feel like this is where, because like I you know you worked for Anarchy twice, but we hadn't had any like you know real conversation. Just oh hey thanks for coming out, good job type stuff. Yeah. But I remember us having a few different conversations over the course of a few months at Metro where we were both like, man, like this has to be bullshit, right? Like at some right. point this has to be not actually happening or what is this even going to be because we were both equally as shocked that like is this something that's going to actually happen as far as like you're getting paid a salary to do things wait we got paid yeah we did no (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty surreal um so yeah it was tough to believe i'm sure i asked everybody um and honestly, when I do look back at it, I remember those conversations at Metro. Um, and honestly, the t- I think the two conversations that I remember the most that were the most impactful were the ones, with, one with you and one with Colt. And I think kind of coming out of those, I was, I, and I was pretty, I was already pretty much made up in my head where I was going anyway. I just kind of wanted to, you know, have some validation for my thinking. Because even I, you know, I always, I just kind of knew, like, even if this thing was going to go down, like, I had to see it from the inside, you know what I mean? I still had to experience that demise from the inside and know what that was like, you know? Just the pro wrestling fan, I mean, had to know, right? So, Yeah, and like, we'll jump all over the place with this, but that's one of the big things that we have that other people don't. And what's crazy about it is NWL now has been gone for two years. And, you know, you'll get people online taking pot shots at it, and everybody has their theories on what really happened and why it's not around. But it's like, man, unless if you were actually there and worked for the company, like, you have no idea, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You have no idea, like, how good of a dude Major actually is, and you also have no idea how fucking crazy the guy is. (laughs) Like, you have no idea unless you were fucking there for it. Yeah, there's an interesting little documentary in that whole thing, you know, in that whole story of like if if people if someone told it, like it's a it's an interesting little story that yeah. shaped our lives for a couple of years. So did you did you close out Metro as the champion? Didn't you win a tournament at the end of Metro to become the champion? Yes, yeah, I beat Sterling. Yeah, and the and the last night on the on yeah on the last night to win the title, and so yeah, I was officially the last Metro champion, and I was uh, the preceding champion was Rhino, and I always loved that because I'm a huge Rhino Mark. <laughs> I actually I, I like him as a dude too. Yeah, was he was real cool when he came in the Metro. He was really cool. He's such a good dude. He's such a cool dude. I love that dude. So before we dive into the meat of NWL, any Metro Pro stories or matches or things that stick out? Um, 
I don't know. The, the, I just kind of laugh at first because I don't know why, but the very first one that comes to mind is I blasted the fucking hell out of uh, Mike Seidel uh, with a super kick one night. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just remember asking him in the back, I was like, hey, how was that super kick? And he was like, oh, yeah, that super kick that one in the corner? Yeah, you, you fucking killed me. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I guess I won't do that. So um, I'm trying to think. No, I always had a blast in Metro. Um, I had some fun early stuff where I was almost got to do like some kind of comedic stuff with Dan Walsh, you know, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, Dan Walsh was the man. Yeah, exactly. And so there was some fun stuff to do early on. And I don't know, I always had some uh, pretty decent opportunities along the way. I definitely did some stuff, you know, I remember doing some stuff with Ricky over there and um, Bull Schmidt, man, I guess that's one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he Bull. was a cool dude. Right Fuck yeah, he was. He taught me, he taught me a bunch about wrestling as a big man. Um, he taught, well, shit, he just taught everybody about how to be in a locker room because he was an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, and he gave me my very first pair of knee pads that are still in my bag today. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you know, that's crazy. I almost forgot about him. What what I really liked about him is we we came into Metro. We were a comedy gimmick. We were comedy, comedic type heels. We were the athletic right. commission. And, you yep. know, that, that was far different than what he was doing. But yeah. he loved our stick. Like, he put us over every single time we were at Metro. Like, he really liked I what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know what, like, that kind of goes into my whole thing of, like, there are good veterans out there and then of course you got shitty veterans that shit all over everything if it's not what they would necessarily do and yeah. he's a prime example of this like good veteran like our, our shit was completely different than what he was doing but he could still see its value to the show and to the promotion and i always thought that was really cool yeah yeah and i think there's you know there's just a couple of people that you end up running into in your career where you know, you just needed you need something positive said to you for for the, the hard work that you put in and, and what you're hoping to you know make out of it and stuff. And they come they come along and say the right stuff to make you feel that way. And he was one of those guys, you know. And you only get a few of them, and he was one of them. So he was he was awesome. I'm messing like crazy. And like um, I don't know. And experiencing those guys makes you realize how important that is, and that how you know how important it is to try to find opportunities to do that yourself whenever you can throughout your career, you know? Right, yeah. It definitely teaches you not to, you know, to do your I mean, everybody has their moments or they're bitter or whatever. But, sure, everybody has a bad day. But it does show that because, again, he's a guy, he wouldn't have been out there doing the shit we were doing, but he didn't immediately shit on it. I guess it, like, the biggest thing is, I always say, is to keep an open mind, and he definitely yeah. did that. Just because someone doesn't do something the way you would do it, doesn't mean that they're fucking killing the business or they're a bad human being. Like, and he definitely, you know, Dingo used to always say like wrestling subjective all the time. I mean, say it all the time. And Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Number one. And like, you can see in like good veterans who also think that way. Yeah. And I think at its best, it's objective, right? I think, you know, the less we, try to put it in a specific box, the more it can become. Um, hell, well, Bogart match, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Was so good. <laughs> um, did you, uh, we keep, we'll get into NWL in a minute, but did you ever do any WWE, like, extra work? 
Um, I did one weekend of extra work um, with the WWE that was a pay-per-view weekend. It was the weekend before, um, I think it was, was it Brock and uh, Undertaker at SummerSlam um, that they're getting set up for, and they did like the huge wild brawl that was like the biggest um, pull-apart in WWE history on Raw that one night. Um I don't remember what the, I can't remember what the show was where Undertaker came back, but it was the pay-per-view on night one, the Sunday on the night one, you know, and it was, that was in St. Louis. And so I remember walking down the hall, going to the bathroom during the show, and as I'm walking down the hall, I'm looking straight ahead, and I'm seeing the Undertaker with his big cloak on and a bunch of people around him because they're going to go sneak him out under the lights, you know, for his big entrance later. And I was <laughs> all of a sudden I'm seven again, right? I'm just like, oh shit, the Undertaker's back, and he's right fucking there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's moments like that that was cool, and then like, yeah, so it was a three night thing, and uh, got to do a little tryout match with Wyatt actually on a Tuesday night at the SmackDown show, and uh, had a flat tire that morning, so that was a pretty full experience. Jeez. And then I also did one uh, WWE. Uh, uh, extra thing at NXT. I went down there one weekend. That was uh, the more recent one. I did that not too long ago. Okay. Hmm. So, okay, now to dive into NWL. You decide to sign with NWL and you actually had to move to Kansas City, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, for the, yeah. So, I moved on January 1. Me and my, uh, myself and Mike Outlaw moved out there together. Um, different places and stuff but we packed up the same truck and drove out there and started training that day and i remember we just dropped off like the <laughs> dropped off our, the truck didn't even unpack anything just threw on our clothes and went down to training that first day and yeah and started this weird journey this weird story for a couple of, for a year or so and um it was pretty crazy, and so I was down there by myself for like the first nine months. My wife and son didn't uh, come down for several months because my wife had uh, her job that she was wrapping up before she moved out there, So, um, and she had to find a new one out here. So it was a pretty unique life experience for me. Yeah, okay. I can imagine. Um, I think, so what's with the character uh, Jack Foster, you now become Jack Foster. How did that come about? Whose idea was that? Because I wasn't in on your creative call. I, I think I came on after you had already been given this character and everything else. Yeah, so I I had kind of pitched two ideas. I Because I, I didn't know where they were really looking to go with the product. And so I would kind of mentioned two different ideas. One being a little bit more, uh, what's the right word? Uh, missed almost like a little bit more mystical or something, you know, a little bit more undertakery, a little bit more um, some sort of superpowery kind of thing, you know, yeah, a little bit more outside the box kind of character. And I, if I remember correct, I even want to say that maybe talked about that a little bit with you, Jake, um, um, and showing you like pictures of Lobo and being like, I want to maybe look something like this, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that was that was like the one side that I think that I would have rather tried to flush out a little bit more and gone down that road, um, and then the other one was the you know um, idea of a throwback wrestler um, that was just a first name last name uh, fighter type wrestler that um, and I had a different backstory for 
towards him. What ended up got fl- getting flushed out, but they end up kind of wanting. Hey, I always want the first name, last name guy, and so Jack Foster was. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was happy with Jack Foster, but I was definitely kind of leaning a little bit more towards the other one and just seeing how creative we could get, especially knowing that we've got you know TV and stuff to work with. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and time and, to shoot stuff. Right. Yeah, because you. That that's the unique thing about your character is you were originally not supposed to debut until like many 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 months after the company was to start. Yeah, was it like and something like six months? Yeah, yeah, was it like six months? It was like six months or something like that. It was yeah, it was something fairly long, and it got uh, it got difficult. I remember um, kind of towards the end of that being a little uh, you know dejected just kind of being like okay well i'm just sitting here doing nothing for you know all these guys are having fun putting together matches putting together this little uh starting this little bit of history and stuff and i'm not in the history anywhere you know it's kind of like and there was there was nuggets that was leading to like my debut and stuff but yeah it made it it made it tough at first and then i remember i hurt my ankle really bad um and and that's pretty much when they they got me that first night and we're like that day, we're like, "Hey, we're we got an idea to get you started tonight." Actually, uh, what do you think? And I was like, "Well, shit, I'm not even not necessarily 100 percent yet, but you know, I've been fucking dying. You know, I'm yeah, I want to get started." So, yeah, not not to defend myself during this, but that that idea of the six months was like, it was really weird when I started the creative for St. Louis. That was told to me from the beginning, like, "Well, Foster won't debut for six months." And I was like, well, well, why? And, like, the whole story was supposed to be you would um, challenge whoever won the championship. But, yeah, I didn't quite understand the mindset behind... Because from a business standpoint, like, you're paying a guy a salary to not wrestle. Like, just to sit on the sidelines for six months. Yeah. And I thought that there was a different way to go about it where, you know... I, you know, my idea in even hearing and talking and fleshing it out was kind of like we should introduce the character, flesh the character out a little bit, and then this is the journey where maybe he does go away for a period of time. Um, in which, you know, there's the kind of, I don't know, who was it? You know, Cactus Jack went away, you know what I mean? In, right. the, in the early 90s, it did all the, you know, silly vignettes of going and trying to find Cactus. Um, at least that type of stuff. Like I didn't want it to be silly stuff or anything, but I, you know, thought, hey, there's a creative journey there that you can do stuff like that during that time period after people know the character and stuff. So um, I just had different um, visions for it. I put out different ideas, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that there was enough time to spend on flushing everything out for everyone based on the manpower that we had. Well, right, and. Another thing that kind of hampered you as a character is, so when this first starts and these angles are happening, we don't have TV in St. Louis. And at this point, they want the brands to be separate. So that was like another thing is, I like we don't have TV here. Why are we having this guy not on here for six months? We we won't be unveiling this on TV. But, I mean, so what ends up happening here is Coco Rumble... Uh, he 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 quits. Says he can't do Sunday shows. We by this time I think we've moved to Sundays. He says he can't do Sunday shows. So 
he's gone and we're yeah. ki- we're kind of put in a bind and I don't know I it might have been my idea but I don't want to say it was my idea and then it wasn't I think I was well, we could debut Foster and although it must have sucked fucking sitting out what happens is we get what might be the only like Casa Loma ballroom moment we ever had is when you debuted like you got a fucking huge reaction huge reaction yeah i will say that like of any of any like little moment in my career that i can look back on and feel proud like that was interesting to me like i was you know and when you're gone for so long and you're out of people's eye you just you know you think for sure that people forget you you know um and so, you know, a couple of people came up to me earlier in the day and been like, dude, they're going to go crazy when you come out. And I was just like, legitimately like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, I don't have like a fed, you know, reputation or anything like that. It's not like I'm a huge name or anything like that. Um, you know, it's been a while and I don't know. It's a brand new place. Like, you know, I didn't know what to expect at all, honestly. And so I even kind of walk out. I just remember kind of feeling like a little bit delayed and then it just kind of starts rolling in. Fuck. I, I do remember that feeling and I was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good feeling. It was one of the best feelings I remember pro wrestling. I remember seeing a couple of people that, um, I trained with like up in the upper deck and they were legitimately excited and stuff. And it was just, it was loud. And yeah, I look back on that and, it was a really fun, it was a fun night. I don't know if my debut could have been any more fun than what it was. And uh, having the match we had, we had a blast. And God, he made me look like a fucking monster. It was just, it was super fun. It was one of those nights you, you hope to have in wrestling. Yeah, no, that was great. I, I still remember that that reaction. Um, I'm per- I remember the Viginets that started, because they started weird at first, where it's like, majors in the middle of his powerpoints and then it's like this scroll just starts interrupting it and that's yeah. supposed to be like your typing of like what wrestler is and i'm like man this is cool but weird well it's cool but we the, the character was never really established to the live audience so right. they it, so yeah that's yeah it never really just got flushed out i thought there were some good ideas in what they were wanting to do and um I thought maybe they're all separate ideas that should have just bled on a little bit longer and stuff. And so all, all jammed together, it kind of didn't, um, the story didn't seem to make sense of the character in my eyes. Um, it just seemed all a little bit jumbled and confusing rather than uh, taking some of these interesting ideas and spending a little bit more time to flush them out and say, okay, well, okay, this is a cool idea, but why is he doing it? And how does it fit with everything else? Right. right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so, you know, St. Louis, the Casaloma days kind of wrap up pretty soon after your debut. And then I, I feel like we start hitting our stride once, like we stop with the separate brand shit and it turns into, we just pretty much use the best guys on every show. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I do want to touch on, cause this was one of my first, like, cause I mean, I did the St. Louis creative and then I started doing more of the TVs want like riding the TV once the, you know, the split goes away. And one of the first things I really wanted to do or got to do 
was when we started doing those promos with with you where we started like I guess you could say humanizing your character more. Yeah. And and the feud with Wyatt because I felt like I always knew that your your promos were fucking top promo in the company. You were one of the top promo guys there and I felt like if we could humanize you a bit and start telling some of your real story like I felt like we could really get that real emotional connection out of it. And I still remember the fucking promo we cut. I think it was before the chain match, and it was in a stairwell somewhere. Yeah. I oh, I was there too, yeah. It was fantastic. I, I still remember that promo. Yeah, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember the, the one, um, the one that, I think it's the one that opens up that show, if I remember right, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that one. I remember cutting that and thinking, okay, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's a that's a completely different side of anything that I've ever done in wrestling, and I was definitely happy about it. I, uh, <laughs> but and again, that you know, when you're so used to doing you know the other kind kind of stuff your whole career, and then you kind of go a little bit out on a ledge like that and just be a little more vulnerable in a promo and stuff. Um, I think I remember like once the lights came back on, just kind of look around and be like, was it okay? You know, I was like, did I do all right? Kind of, kind of thing, you know, or is this totally off base? So I was, even though it felt good, you know, you just, you don't know because it's something new to you. So, right. uh, but I definitely enjoyed that type of stuff. You know, I don't do that and I don't do comedy that much, but I love, I love doing that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That, that was one of my, like, favorite things I did in my time at NWL was getting to work on that. And then of course the matches with Wyatt were fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, if I remember right, I think, uh, me and Wyatt had the very last match. If I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Drop one house show. That was the that last was a good match. match too. Yep. That was one of my favorite matches with him. Yep. So like, there's a lot to touch on through NWL, but I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but you, we end up having to do the first round of layoffs. You weren't there in the office when that happened, right? They had to come talk to you guys at the at the TPC. Yeah, at the TPC. I forgot that. I almost forgot what it's called. Yeah, but yeah, they came to us and and all set us down in, in a room and brought us in one by one and started talking to us. So yeah, we're all just kind of sitting around the room, just waiting to hear, you know what the verdict was, you know, it was pretty, pretty heavy, and it's a rough, I don't know, it's a, it's a rough experience, you know, and um, anytime, so, like, when I saw the, you know, maybe recent mass cuts with, like, WWE and stuff, it takes me back to, like, feeling like that day of, uh, even the survivor's remorse and stuff would be like, uh, this sucks, you got cut, and, you know, and I'm still here, it's like, how, yeah. you know, it's like, fuck, this feels horrible, you know? Um, and so, and you're seeing that for several of your buddies, you know, and it's like, it was, it was definitely a uh, tough day. Um, but yeah, you know, I was happy that I still had an opportunity there, but yeah, it was tough. So your, but your role changes a bit after the layoffs, right? Like you go from. So pretty much what happens is the uh, full-time wrestlers that survive the layoffs 
start getting like office duties to do because we also lost office people. And right. so you end up go for like going into what is it advertising and some video editing? Dude, yeah, I felt like uh, there at one point I was wearing a ton of hats, but that was exactly what I wanted, right? Like I wanted as much as I could like of the experience of working in a pro wrestling company. So yeah, I was doing, let's see, at the end I was doing some video, I was doing some video editing and production. I was doing uh, part of the coaching. It was largely like me, Maverick, Sam, and Ryan. Um, and then I was doing advertising sales and I was doing, uh, the, uh, uh, social media marketing as well. So I was doing like essentially like five different jobs there at once. It seemed like, and you were like the whole behind the league videos, or if you're an NWL fan, we put out a whole bunch of beyond the league videos where it kind of took you behind the scenes of certain characters different things like that was your deal like you you yeah. filmed those and edited those and man like yeah. those those were really good i really liked those that was that was my little baby i appreciate that because yeah i love those things and it was kind of like just really scratch the surface version of who i thought that we would end up ultimately becoming and who i thought that we truly were was not only just this uh, pro wrestling company but we're a production company like we have talent here you know available every day we've got we've got the cameras and stuff here we've got the space we've got everything we need to produce content of different you know types and so <laughs> as we you know looked at like the business model which was essentially to attract views you know like online right so that's kind of the model we'd moved to was um let's do views and so that meant more content so the more stuff you can put out the better and even if that doesn't mean it's all you know wrestling inside um you know force you know inside, inside a ring you know there's still a bunch of content that we can put out and increase that number of views and so i was looking at you know a million different ways to kind of expand that into like i you know i think we did a couple of them like stuff with like the besties i mean like little game show type stuff just any stuff like that where people would watch and give you a little behind the scenes view but kind of help increase that online presence yeah i remember the uh the eddie <laughs> kingston one that you did. oh yeah god that was a good one so that was I, good. and i tell you what and so there's two parts of that i remember the first one was really funny and I remember the second one, and nothing was like figured out or scripted. It was just uh, let's just gather footage throughout the day and see what we get, kind of thing, you know. And um, I remember I stuck in for that second part for after his post match stuff, and he did this little interview, uh, this little promo backstage, like outside when we were walking back, and it was just me and him back there. And I was like, this is a cool experience that. Um, you know, I captured this little moment with Eddie that cuts his fucking badass promo outside, um, and no one else in the world is out here to legitimately experience it, but I captured it, I'm going to be able to share it with the world, and people are going to see it and think it's cool. Like, that was a pretty uh, eye-opening experience of how um, rewarding the production and the stuff is. Yeah, it's great. Like, there are certain things I'll look back on during NWL and be like, well... Like, even if, even though this is all gone and people can say what they want, like, I got to experience these moments working with talent. And the ones yeah. that come to mind are the stairwell promo with you, 
the Draper's win promo with Sam was yeah. like that was just me, him, and a camera guy in a room until we got that fucking thing. And yeah, that was like those are stuff you I always remember. And the Eddie one was crazy because we had that done a certain way where he's supposed to storm out of the ring, blow through gorilla position, come out that back door, and go right into you. And he didn't. He comes through Gorilla. He stops. He starts yelling at me. And I start going, well, shit, like, I, I think we're uh, working here. Because he, like, he's yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is all being recorded. So next thing I know, I'm having to, like, yell back at him and then beg away from him all on the fly. And then... <laughs> I thought that was all on the shoot. I thought you guys were just no. doing. I, I thought that was normal, and I was just capturing, uh, you know, from a different viewpoint backstage. No. And uh, so, I there. I think there's little like gorgeous moments in the NWL like that that uh, really made it awesome. Like there were some parts about it that were. There's nuggets in it that were just really truly awesome. It was little little stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that was not at all like scripted. He just started doing that. I was like, all right, cool, we're we're working. And yeah, and that looked me, great. Eddie. It looks it looks so good on camera, you know. So yeah, yeah, and, and again, like, and to just an aside, like the fact that fucking guy's not under a major wrestling contract on TV is a travesty. Like that's, it is, absolutely. And, but and, I, you know, I will selfishly be thankful that we have him to learn from here on the independence. Yeah. He, uh, that, that's one, you know, there's a lot of little things you look back on, like with NWL ends. And that's one that I wish you know, we were going to have, Eddie was going to be a big part of the TV going forward. There were talks of him, like moving to St. Louis and like, starting to be like i believe that if this would have been able to keep going like eddie would have signed with nwl i i fully believe that like he 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 loved it and he he really liked being a part of it and at that time we were running really hot at the end and house shows numbers were really good the tv numbers were really good the tv ratings were really good tv ratings are great yeah and we had a good team like we and I think we all knew our roles, and we um, just really started to click and gel, and um, everybody started pulling the ship in the right direction. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, we really were hitting a stride. And we're going to talk about when the ship goes wrong when we come back. Also, we are back. So before we get into the, to, uh, the doomsday part of NWL, I do want to cover the uh, popular tag team of Jackbait that was yourself and Sharkbait and Sharkbait's very early days of uh, wrestling. Yeah, yeah, man, it was that was super fun. I remember I actually uh, that was something that I I think I went to Chris about and asked him uh, about putting us together too because I thought um, I, I always like I, I I love tag teams. I love when characters rub against different characters and just see how that interaction plays out. That's one of my favorite things in wrestling. Um, and so I always like it when there's kind of those you know odd couple of tag teams where you know these guys don't look like they should get along, but they do, so they must really get along. That kind of thing. So um, that's what I always thought would be cool with him. And you know he just does 
different stuff than I do. He provides a completely different style than, than me, but one that could you kind of sell together still, you know, and be kind of believable. So I thought it was going to be a fun little experiment. I had a blast with it. I thought he was awesome. And then, like, for the behind-the-scenes stuff, like, he's so early into his training, like, putting him in there with you is good, putting him in tag matches is good, all of those things are good. So, it, like, yeah. it, it was and beneficial. Well, the thing was, yeah, because we kind of had a thing going with the foundation, you know, too, so um, all those tag matches he's in, not only does he have somebody in the corner that's been in the ring for a while, but he's got, like, Ace across the ring, he's got Strider across the ring, he's got... Um, you know, wide across the ring. Like, how do you, how do you not learn when you're wrestling those three, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to get, tell Sharkbait's story, but those house show matches he had with Wyatt did a ton for him because Wyatt, yes. Wyatt, he's not going less than 15, 20 minutes, no matter what. So, like, he, Sharkbait having to go out there and go 15, 20 minutes with him. And we, we did that on multiple house shows. Like, that was really good for him. And, too, like, the, it never gets to unfold, but the plan, the long-term plan is Sharkbait becomes a better worker. We build that up, and then eventually you turn on him or he turns on you, and there's this like, good built-in feud there. We never right. got and, to get to that, though. Yeah, exactly. And I, that's why I was thinking, like, we need to create those relationships of, you know, and, and you know, just start them now, uh, even if you don't know exactly how it's going to end, like, uh, you know, if we have those relationships built in, then you have something to play on later on if we're if we're looking for a good angle like that. And so I kind of uh, didn't know for sure it'd go that way, but had, always kind of had that expectation. Hey, this seems like it'd make a whole lot of sense once we turn that corner. So one thing I want to touch on too is we we hit this period where Major shuts down St. Louis. What was that day like for you? Because not very many of us knew that this was a work <laughs> so hard would would turn into a work like we just i remember my day started with waking up with about 35 text messages one being from a guy named bruce that i was working with that major had hired to help out in st louis with him going well i guess we're out of a job major shut down st louis and then i see all the online shit how did you learn about that um I remember, I don't remember exactly how it all played out, but I remember it being like kind of foggy. I remember seeing a lot of that stuff online too and seeing that um, everything was shut down and just immediately online. It looked like somebody had, you know, kind of stormed the website. And I think I remember talking to like Gabe or something and being like, yeah, we can't get into the site or something like that. Uh, and so it just started making me think. I was like, I feel like this is something Major's just doing without telling anybody. And I don't know. It kind of obviously put me off a little bit. Um, and I was pretty bummed. Like I was, I was definitely one of the people that was hardcore wanting to make sure St. Louis worked out. You know, my my vision. You know, you know, based on their initial model of wanting to have like. Um, you know, wrestling in each of the cities that they're in the mar- each of the markets they were going to be in and stuff. You know, I wanted St. Louis to really take off initially, so um, I could you know be living back at home, so I could someday move back to St. Louis and um, be back at home, be wrestling in that market, and maybe someday we get uh, you know they'd kind of talked about maybe one day down the road if everything was working out well, we start a training facility there, and I'd always kind of said, hey, you know, I want to be considered, you know. 
um, to be one of the coaches to be at that at that center if that should ever play out and stuff. So I was kind of you know always really gung ho to make sure St. Louis worked out. So when that didn't, I was pretty I was pretty bummed, you know. Yeah, yeah. your your initial assessment would have been right. Like I I didn't know what was going. I always tell the story of uh, once I seen all this shit, I just shut my laptop off for the day. I kept my phone on, obviously, and I just fucking fired up Orange is the New Black, the new series that just started on Netflix, the new season. Ordered me a pizza, and I just sat there and waited for someone to tell me what the fuck was going on. Um, all I had known is what I seen, and that Chris had told me, he's like, well, he's like, Major texted me early in the morning and just said, don't worry, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Well... Obviously, he didn't in this aspect, because then when he calls me at four o'clock, he's like, okay, so, uh, you know, get me, get us out of it. What are we going to do? And then it was my job to come up with a way to turn this into an angle. And I ended up cooking up that half-ass, like, relaunch of Anarchy, because I felt like that was the only way in St. Louis to get it to make sense. And then... I like, we need to just stop having, like, the city rivalry thing here. We need to just have angles for St. Louis since we're not a TV market here. And we, and I always say, to Major's credit, he, he really tried to get TV in St. Louis, but yeah, it, just, it just couldn't happen with a big factor being with Ring of Honor having TV with you know abc like that was like the only option and they couldn't do it because of that so um yeah and, yeah, and i agree and um yeah, yeah i don't think it's for a lack of trying yeah. um but i definitely knew that that also meant trouble because um now it's definitely become if we are not financially profitable we are, we're also not the vision that what he first saw, and we're not the same, uh, you know, same kind of toys, same game to play, you know, that, that he initially had. So um, if that wasn't what he was interested in doing, then we better be profitable or, you know. Yeah, it turns into a whole thing because, like, originally – he didn't want to run house shows. He just wanted to run in these major cities. Well, then next thing you know, we're running house shows because it turned into being, well, the more shows we run, the more chances we have at making money. Mm-hmm. So we start running in all these different cities that we weren't going to run in at first. And they all become, I mean, sadly, and I do believe it was just because there was already established wrestling, independent wrestling in St. Louis. And Major never, you know, endeared himself to the St. Louis fan base. So there was no surprise. And then by closing Casa Loma the way he did, he opened himself up for mass criticism. And I just don't think St. Louis ever rebounded. That's why this area was always the poorest performing market. And by the end of NWL, it was the poorest performing by far. I mean, we were doubling our attendance everywhere else than in St. Louis. I mean, O'Fallon became, you know, a pretty decent building. We were building that audience, but it never got to where we would need it to be, unfortunately. No. Yeah, it never felt like uh, even, it didn't even feel like a St. Joe or anything like that. Yeah, no. There was definitely a, 
uh, yeah, we're on the Kansas City side. There's definitely a little bit more room in that market. <clears throat> and we're starting to find it, you know. It's, uh, it was cool. It was the first time that I remember I remember walking around and being recognized, you know, in, uh, in Kansas City and, in, you know, in St. Joseph. I remember somebody, you know, kind of say, hey, is it, it Jack Foster? And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. TV's working. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was. There were some cool experiences uh, in there, and you know, like one of the one of the experiences that one of the moments Ray, where I felt like we really like started to turn a corner uh, was the Rumble, the NWO yes. Rumble. Yeah, felt like that was one of the shows where we started to really understand who our team was and how to use it best. And I remember, you know, just all the boys sitting around in the in the locker room trying to put that match together and stuff, and. Uh, and kind of being nervous about how it is all going to come off. And I remember going back and watching it back and just thinking, man, we, we really put together a, a pretty darn fun show uh, for that rumble match. And I, I, I don't know, I think it lifted everybody's spirits and kind of made everybody realize that, yeah, no, we can do this. We got something here. We kind of know who we are now. Um, let's push the pedal. Yeah. Really. It was the show. I mean, we're not gonna if we we could go on forever about this, so I don't sure. want to turn it into a long form NWL discussion. But the show we had Jimmy Jacobs in, we popped a big house in Overland yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. That show more or less saved the company because Major had a real crazy idea he wanted to try out, which more or less would have reset the entire company. Turned us into like an American Idol type situation, which I'm not going to. One day I'll talk about that in long form. It's not going to be on this particular episode. Oh man, I'm so interested now. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty so. He, he wanted to have the three judges, the whole nine, and, and a lot of it would be a shoot. Like, it was insane. And, uh, a whole he bunch of out, he had some out there ideas uh, where like fans would more or less start booking the show. Things would be voted on, including the winners of the matches would be voted I, on. I remember hearing about some of that, and I remember just kind of and all the boys sitting around being like, "What are we fucking doing now?" Yeah, yeah. I. If we ever get Chris on here, we'll talk I, more about I, it with yeah. him. I played my part in it, like go like trying to convince myself. Well, maybe it could work. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, if if we actually do this, I'm going to start, like, maybe thinking about asking out of this. Because I, I, it was so off the wall. I mean, I felt like my reputation as a creator of pro wrestling would have been, like, put on the line. Like, it was one of those things well, I felt would haunt me if this didn't work out. But yes. we, we'll and, talk. And I'm all for, like... Um looking at wrestling in different ways and trying to prevent or, you know, present something totally unique. I'm all for that. I really am. But, uh, yeah, some of the ideas were being thrown out. I felt uncomfortable with very much. So, yeah. And, but you know, this Jimmy Jacobs show, like, I mean, we pop a huge house and major says, well, let's see, you know what happens, and then we keep like from then on. We were drawing that was at the Shriners, right? Yeah, yeah. From then on, we're drawing huge houses, and he backs off. It's not ever really discussed again, and and that's not a way to bury major. This guy's trying to think of just different way, like we ways to sure. make this a profitable venture. And he had like he didn't just go, 
oh, hey, we're going to do this. He had a, like, reality TV, like, top reality TV producer helping him with it and shopping that idea around to different networks and stuff. Like, it wasn't like he was... Yeah, it's not like he was just, ah, we're going to do this and see what happens. Like, he, he did put thought into it. I just didn't feel... Well, number one, if the fans are booking the show or writing the TV, then what the hell am I there for? <laughs> like well, well, and I felt the same way for me, right, as the wrestler. So right. if the fans tell me who's winning, what are we doing? Why are we even wrestling? Right. Well, are they going to yeah. tell me what I'm winning with, how I'm starting the Yeah, match? right. Yeah, 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 no, they would be. Like, if it was a hard... Like, there was a whole bunch of... So I don't want to... I don't want to dive into it, but... Uh, that show ends up saving us. We find our stride, and from about October until the two, October seventeen until the company closes in April, we're on fire. But one small thing is when I get introduced to TV <coughs> as a heel character, we see like some of the St. Louis guys are getting to change their names back. So Jay Lutz becomes Gary J. Gibson and Grundy or Vega and Fitchett again. Uh, Mike, or he was Des, uh, Wilson. Des Wellston becomes Mike Outlaw again. But you stay the same, and that was your decision. Like you, you wanted to still be, you wanted to keep being Jack Foster, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It was my decision, and uh, you know, I I toyed around the idea of going back to Jake Durden, but I I definitely felt like at the time there was definitely way more room to creatively flush out this Jack Foster character. And I was kind of desperate to do so. Like that was my whole mentality going into this thing of like, all right, I'm moving to Kansas city so that we are able to shoot TV style style stuff um, to flush it out. And that's something that I thought we always kind of lacked on. Like, um, I thought that the <laughs> way more time throughout the days, uh, shooting more stuff, more vignettes, more uh, on-site, on-location type stuff, and um, trying to flush out these characters for some of the guys that were there full-time and stuff. And um, Yeah, that was always one of the things that I really thought was lacking. I thought there was a whole lot of room and cool stuff that we could do with the Jack Foster character more so than Jake Durden if we um, spent the time to do it. And that wasn't a knock on, uh, like anything like you're doing creatively or anything outside of St. Louis because you're or outside of Kansas City because you're down St. Louis. But like, um, you know, I just wanted there to be a whole lot more of us uh, doing that stuff through the day. We were busy. We were busy doing a lot of other stuff throughout the day, but I wanted to carve out some time for that. You know, I thought that was important for who we were, and you know the the way that we've kind of set everything up it lent itself to allowing your talent to be able to do that, which is unique where most people can is like, we need to take advantage of it. Right. No, I, I would agree with you on that too. Like obviously everybody's busy trying to find advertisers, you know, yep. sponsors, things like that. But you know, the, the TV product should have always been the number one priority. Cause that's the vehicle we had. And, right. you know, and, and, and if we're, if I'm being completely honest, like it, it, Look for I didn't ever want to move to Kansas City. That was I. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, it was being talked about more as we caught on fire. Like Major was really wanting me to move there. It probably would have been more beneficial for the company though if I was there. If I'm being honest, like I probably should have been up there more because then maybe we could have done these things. But I wasn't there. 
Chris was extremely busy at all times because he's running the whole business aspect of it. Right. You know? So, so I, I agree with you that I, I think more could have been done to flush out some of the characters. Um, well, and I, yeah, and I don't think it's in a lack of anybody's trying. I just think we didn't have the manpower for the opportunity that we had. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, by the end of this, we're running on a pretty slim crew for what we're doing. We are running yeah. we are running TV every other week, and then we're running house shows, sometimes three a weekend, but at least two. So, I mean, I mean, it was a crazy schedule, all things considered, when there was like, like, you guys worked in the office all week. I wrote TV all week from St. Louis and booked house shows. And then on the weekends, we're actually at these shows, putting them on. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a crazy time. And everybody's got multiple jobs through the week. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I remember lining out um, social media marketing plans for, you know, all the all the territories and uh, making sure that me and hoodie had that stuff put together in time to get it out in the, in the right format, in the right time. And I remember, uh, you know, planning, you know, social media strategy stuff, but having whiteboard sessions with the twins and, uh, you know, daily having uh, content that we had planned posted for the next two weeks in advance and stuff. And yeah, there was just a lot of effort uh, and everything we did and everybody was wearing a bunch of hats and, it was a good experience too because I used, you know, I that, I looked at it when we made the big change and and had the ability to start doing more stuff in the office. I said, give me as much as possible because I want to put this stuff on my resume too, and it honestly helped me uh, later on once I moved back to St. Louis. So I'm glad I took those chances and did that stuff when when I could. Right. So we come to the end of NWL. Hold on. There's one very important step you forgot, uh-huh. and that's the Foster Buddy connection. Was there? There wasn't. Oh yeah, <laughs> we cheated yeah, yeah. one Did, time. Is it you do a promo where? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You we did the epic success. backstage where you never teamed together yeah. again. No, because we broke up. We're like, this worked out really well for us. We should never do it again. And then we literally walk in other directions. Because <laughs> yeah, I always thought, I always thought it was funny. Like we teamed up one time. We were success. I think we were. You and I were feuding with Niles in different ways, and yeah. uh, we teamed once. I think we wrestled him in. Belvedere or him and Rashid we win and then we're like all right well this worked see ya and then we just (laughs) because I was because I thought it had been a funny and it was a funny promo of like these two guys who were successful like and then they just stopped it worked yeah Yeah. (laughs) we got that was super funny that was good stuff yeah we got to play around a little bit more on the YouTube promos like those are always fun to do yeah, so a little more leeway on the TV, but uh, yeah. The one real quick thing that I'll throw out there just before we get off NWL, and um, so if anybody does find the dog collar match and wants to watch that, um, I do legitimately uh, go out. I, I pass out for probably thirty to I don't know, maybe twenty thirty seconds or something yep, like that. I remember that I'm completely unconscious. Uh, when he hangs me over the top rope, the ref, uh, you know, raised my hand twice, and the third one when he goes to raise is when I kind of wake back up. But that was legitimately one of the <coughs> scariest moments uh, in my life in pro wrestling to like wake up and realize that you're still in the middle of the match 
is fucking terrifying because it felt like 15 minutes had gone by. Yeah, I remember that. And that is on YouTube. Uh, Major did put back up the YouTube page. So all the... Oh, cool. Yeah. All the NWL stuff is on YouTube now. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, if you watch that match, and I remember even like, and I think it was Anaya talking to Hoodie, being like, I think Brother passed out in the match. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, he's just a good worker. And I was like, no, nah, I was fucking passed out. <laughs> so then we roll into the end of NWL, closes in April. Did you, were, did you see that coming at all? Um, <coughs> no. No, I I mean, not really. Like, you know, when Major's not there every day, then it's like, okay, you either completely trust us and we're fine or we're fucked here pretty soon. Knowing full well that it's probably the latter. But, you know, kind of telling yourself all the while, like, no, maybe you just trust us because we got shit going right and this isn't his vision, so then maybe that's why he's not here all the time. Um. And then I think I remember one day he said, yeah, I just opened up a new company today. And that was like one of the moments where I was like, oh, shit. I don't think we're the shiny new toy anymore. This isn't good. Um, so there's little moments like that. I think there would be like little moments where I might even ask Chris or something be like, hey, so what's going on with Major and shit like that? You know what I mean? Just kind of be like, are we going to wrap up here soon or what's happening? You know? So I was always uh, a little concerned, but. I definitely didn't think it was going to be that week or anything, you know. Um, whenever I saw Chris walk into the building that day, I think I knew what they, they were going to talk to us about. And then when I say, saw Major come in, I was like, yeah, I definitely know what's going on. So, Yeah, it was definitely rough because no one really knew the weeks leading up to it. Like my, my side of this, I've told a few different times, it's just, me and Chris would be talking for weeks. Like the way the day would work is Chris would work in the office. I'd be at home writing TV. And then when Chris would leave the office, he'd call me and we kind of had like an everyday in the day conversation. And the weeks leading up to this, we were both just kind of like, well, you know, he wouldn't keep putting money into the TPC for the arena to open. If, if he was just going to shut it down Exactly. I think that was the thing. I think it was constantly that we were doing the arena that was the thing that was making me think, yeah, no, it's not going to shut down. But then as that kept going and he, we're just hearing nothing. Because it's not like Chris was hearing from him. Nothing was happening. Then our conversation started getting a little bit like, well, fuck, like, I, I don't know. I don't think it's looking good. And then rolling in. We were supposed to open the T, the NWL arena the week after Joplin. I was I was going to come in and work in the office all that week, and I had had my ticket bought. And I just remember Chris, like before Joplin, told me he goes, "Well, he's going to set up a meeting on Monday," and he's like, "I he and he still didn't know that he didn't tell Chris yet." So he just said, "We're going to have a meeting Monday with everybody." And Chris told me, like, I think that he's going to close. And we, we still didn't know 100%, but we both kind of felt Joplin might be it. And then he, uh, I kept telling him, hey. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Well, the original meeting was supposed to be Monday, but then uh -huh. it gets moved. Because I keep telling Chris, I go, I can, I'm going to change my bus ticket to come in the day of the meeting. What are the day of the me to work there all week, which turns out to be the day of the meeting. 
I go, but it, I go, if you think he's going to close this fucking thing, please let me know. Cause I don't want to get on a fucking bus, come there four hours, have to buy an immediate ticket back home four hours. Like just let me know. And then he did the evening before the meeting. He's like, Hey, don't get on that bus. He just called me. He's going to close it. And that was it. Just like that. <laughs> it was over. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just kind of being in the office. I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday and, uh, and just kind of sitting there and him telling us all and just, uh, not much was said. And I don't know. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, emotional. I think we were all kind of, we're all kind of hit pretty hard and I don't even remember which day it was. If it was that day, like I can't remember what I did that day. If I stuck around or if we just left or what happened, I was kind of in shock, honestly, because I know I called my wife, you know, and I was like, hey, we just closed everything down, you know, so I don't have a job anymore. Um, you know, after she had just moved out to Kansas City with the kiddo, so that was kind of rough, and I remember maybe it was like a day or two later, like the next couple days, we were kind of in the office, you know, just getting some of our stuff, and getting stuff cleaned up and stuff, and I remember all this just like <clears throat> drinking a little and, uh, you know, hanging out in the ring, knowing that like, you know, that next day, I think, or something, you know, we were supposed to have our first show, and instead we're all just, you know, some of us were kind of crying, just hanging out in the ring, and took a couple pictures, and just all had a couple drinks, and I don't know, just kind of watch this, ah, uh, this family have to break up, because that's what everybody become, you know, we were at each other all day, every day over there, and, you know, Marty became my sister, and Hoodie became my brother, and, you know, you know, Devin and Sam became my brothers, and Nav, and, you know, and they just, uh, it was pretty surreal to kind of wonder, well, what's going to happen to all, all your family now? So it was, it's, it, it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't get to, like being in St. Louis. That's one of the things I missed out on. Like, I mean, I was close with everybody, but I didn't get to be there in those closing moments. But yeah. for me, it's just the way I deal with things. Like, the second I started working for NWL, I. I just kind of put everything that was anarchy away and was like, okay, that's not my life anymore. This is, and the day NWL closed, I relaunched anarchy and it and I didn't really think about it and just moved on to that. So, I mean, it, it did suck and I felt bad and, but you know, I just very quickly moved on. That's just how I deal with stuff, but it was yeah. rough. I was stuck in that for a little bit, you know, because I was still stuck in Kansas City and trying to find new work and stuff like that. And I was pretty stuck because that was kind of a dream job for me, quite honestly. And, uh, you know, when that went away, it uh, uh, broke my heart a little, you know. And it was, it was rough. I had a tough time with it. Um, and I felt, you know, I felt a little cheated in a lot of ways because I felt like a lot of people came away from NWL with different things. Like some of them. <laughs> Somebody, I know, we don't have to go through names, but some people came away with uh, new characters that they can use the rest of their career, and, uh, or some people came away with girlfriends, or some people came away with, uh, 
you know, a cool new job that they're going to stay in Kansas City with and stuff. And I was like, shit, I don't know if I had one of those things, you know. Um, and I kind of end up looking back later and realizing that uh, some of the stuff that I was doing in the back office and stuff, too, I think helped lead to some of the stuff I'm able to just do, like, outside of wrestling right now and stuff, too, that's been pretty beneficial for my family. So I think it just took me a little longer for me to find, like, the thing that I pulled away from there outside of the relationships and stuff. But um, that's the biggest one, too. Like, I, you know, always have, like, all those relationships for, forever with all those people, even though it's just, uh, you know, a 16-month process or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how I look at it. It's, you know, I walked away with, like, for me, the bullet points I walked away with, I got the right legitimate TV. I got to lead a group of talent outside of Anarchy. I always say that it's it's easy to be a leader when you run the promotion. Like, all the boys and or girls have to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you're great because you're the fucking promoter and they're going to do right. that. But in this situation, it's like, I got someone else paying me to do this job. These people could easily go to Chris and be like, this guy's a fucking idiot. And then, so like to get to do that and be successful at it, I was really happy with. And the fact that our TV in Kansas City beat SmackDown, beat two hours of Raw. Like, those are all things I took from this. And, And then, too, that we're a part of a very small group of people that got to actually experience this, like, and then you see stuff like MLW being very popular. Like that that could very easily have been NWL if we were able to keep things going. And I don't know, yeah. we're, we're just a small group of people that got to experience something that not a lot of people get to experience. Exactly. And I, yeah, I, it was a tough <laughs> it was a tough couple of years of my uh, you know, career to throw away at, you know, the those, you know, mid to late thirties kind of thing, you know, but at the same time, like, I don't know if I'd be able to trade that experience for anything. There's so much, so much good that came out of it. And, uh, just, yeah, crazy, crazy memories. It was, uh, an awesome experience. All right. Well, we're going to save this one last part and then we will be back to wrap it up. All right. We are back. So we've put the bow on NWL. So now we go into the relaunch of Anarchy, which you've been a big part of. Um, We're not going to go into all of it, but one thing I definitely want to... This was like a moment for me. I wanted to like immediately make you a force in Anarchy, and I felt like we did that by you beating Gary at the re-up clean. Like I, I really, I really wanted to ha- do that match because I wasn't sure it ever... I don't think it ever happened before until then. And I then, think so, yeah. then you beating him in Spalding Hall was a big deal. Yeah. I, I really like that match. Yeah. And, like, if people yeah. pay attention, low-key... Oh, sorry, go on, Jake. No, I was just going to say, yeah, because yeah, it wasn't necessarily something that I expected. You know, I... Uh, you know, nobody, nobody expects to be able to come into, like, the main building and beat one of the main guys when they first come in and stuff, right? You know, you, you go in and you do good work and you hope you get up more opportunities and you hope you get better opportunities and stuff like that. So um, I definitely remember, like, I think it was even that night that I kind of found out that I was like, oh, shit, no kidding, you know? And um, I don't know, it was a nice um, vote, uh, you know, just uh, in confidence, just to know that, like, people 
um, thinks that you could be somebody that can pull that off. You know what I mean? They can go wrestle Gary J and beat Gary J in that building and not, you know, get completely eaten alive by the audience and stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, I thought that was a really, it was a really cool night. I, it was, a, I'm pretty sure it was the first night me and Gary has ever really had a one-on-one and it was awesome. And Gary's like one of those guys, you know, he just, he does like just so much stuff to his body. And I, you know, and people always come up to me because I, you know, a bigger guy and got kind of the bigger gimmick and stuff. And now he's like, Hey, um, you want to throw me against the fucking wall or throw me through the roof or something? I'm like, yeah, if you want me to, you know what <laughs> I mean? And I'm never like usually the one that ever suggests any of that stuff. And, um, you know, Gary is throwing out all that stuff to like make me look like a monster and stuff. And he's sacrificing his body, you know, and, and, in that environment in that building and stuff. So it was pretty, it was pretty surreal. And I was very thankful, very appreciative for the opportunity on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. You had something. Yeah. I was going to say like, uh, you know, smart anarchy fans, people who pay attention will know that like Durden hasn't lost, but one singles match. And that was Delary. That was it. That was, that's all you've lost. Right. Um, I think so. And, I think so. I and, can't remember for sure. I mean, people will forget about this by the time this comes out, but I don't think, other than Wyatt, no one has as good a record as... Sharkbait, right? Oh, uh, Sharkbait, yeah. Sharkbait's the Sharkbait got hurt. Right. So it's definitely a contender for sure. Yeah, yeah and I'll, I'll be in that company all day, you know what I mean? I'll be in the conversation of Jeremy Wyatt and Sharkbait all day. Those are yeah. awesome guys to be in conversations with. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, like, I mean, it's... We've got a couple fan questions. Shut up. Oh, yeah, we do. Ooh, yeah. Hot. Good Right? I got to get myself in. Because otherwise, like, people... For some reason, people blame me when this shit doesn't happen. But it's like, hey, that's not my thing. I don't give a fuck. No wrestling. Don't get bad for getting your shit up. Right? <laughs> now you got to find the questions. Oh, yeah. So while he's looking for the questions, like, it's kind of crazy because we always wrap these things up with, like, well, you know, we'll see you in a couple weeks at this or... You got this coming down the pike. Like, there's really no, like, clean way to wrap this up because we we don't know when we'll see each other again. We don't know when there'll be another show. We don't know any of this right now. We don't even know what those shows will look like. Yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. Uh, it's weird. I was thinking about that the other day, and I, you know, I feel really, really, really fortunate that I got to wrestle. You know, almost a decade of in front of a normal environment i feel like that there's a whole pocket of wrestlers that are just kind of getting rolling and really hitting their stride and are about to do awesome things and that's like okay wrestling's fucking gone you know what i mean it's right. like whoa i did an interview uh, for a paper i don't remember the name of the paper now i apologize still? but like and, and it sucks to say but I, I really believe it's the truth like right now the wrestling business does not exist unless if you're wwe or AEW, like independent wrestling right now does not exist because of all this going on. Yeah. It's sad. Like it's very strange. Mm -hmm. I, and you know, and to that, I will say there's a portion of me that feels because that feels a little less like a pro wrestler and is allowing me to feel a little bit more like a fan yeah. And so, and obviously with us time off, I'm getting to digest a bunch of wrestling that I've either, you know, maybe loved in the past or not seen enough of or whatever the case is. And so, oh. um, 
and your body. A little bit of that time away from the ring has allowed me to watch a little bit more too, and with a little more fun. And I think for some, like they'll appreciate it a lot more. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and I will say I've definitely had um, probably three or four moments through this whole like self isolation process and stuff where I've kind of like realized that like when when we come at us and when we start going again, like, and I'm sure I'm not the, I guarantee I'm not the only one, but, uh, I don't know how, what's the best words put in, but like chomping at the bit. And like, I just can't wait to fucking go again. And like my match back is going to be like, you know, do we ever get to do this again? What if this is the last match? Cause the last time I wrestled, I didn't know that, you know what I mean? So, right. I'm going to be fucking giving everything and because I've missed this shit so much. You know what I mean? And right. so I've had a couple of those moments where, you know, my heart was kind of on fire as like, okay, I'm ready for a match right fucking now, right this moment. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I think that you're going to see a lot of really good fucking shows when this comes out. Cause everybody's going to be ready just to kill it and, Mm-hmm. I did, hopefully yep. we're able to do that soon. We got our fan questions here, so we're going to roll through these. Oh, God. Matt Fitchett wants to know, Oh shit. have you watched Tiger King yet? I did watch Tiger King. That was like week one of self-quarantined. Um, uh, but, I mean, too many twists and turns to even begin to put as fiction, you know what I mean? Uh, but I still, I'm with... Um, Ashley Winchester, uh, BCB's uh, wife. I think McMillions is better. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah, McMillions. I know about that. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I hear it's really good. Hmm. Yeah, if you're into that stuff, it's good. Check it out. Yeah, I will. I seen a. a there's one called Evil Geniuses. It's about like a dude gets blown up, and it's about a bank robbery. It's really good. It's on Netflix. Okay. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so the Sean questions we kind of covered, except for, 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 he wants to know, have you ever rode a horse? I have. I rode a horse in Jamaica on my honeymoon. Uh, my horse's name was Big Joe. Ha! <laughs> hey, damn. Hell yeah. Yep. Way to that ask a shitty awesome. question, Sean. That was a good answer, though. A shitty great. question turned into a nice story. Big Joe. It was. Yeah. Huh? Big Joe. I miss Big Joe. Um, That's fun, too. I can go horseback riding again. That shit's fun. Yeah. So, Ashley Barkley says, at the last Zero One show, Lily had asked Durden why Durden was always so angry. I told her I didn't know. She later said it was because he needed some cookies. She's still determined to bring him cookies, so Lily wants to know what kind of cookies are his favorite. Oh, man, yeah. I've never seen something like that on Facebook after that match, too. Crack me up. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Well, me and my son, Rowdy, right now, we're eating Oreos here in quarantine, so I guess it's Oreos, maybe. All right. Jason Klein wants to know. We we covered Noah. I hope we covered it in depth enough for Klein. He's always wanted to know the reasoning why you spell dirty the way you do. Um, okay, so uh, are you guys familiar with e-wrestling, fancy wrestling? Yeah. Yep. Okay, did you guys do that all when you were younger? No. A little bit. Okay, so I did too. And uh, the little small world thing, so the circle that I was in, uh, Carrie Offal was also in. 
Wow. Which is fucking nuts. So we grew up and like later on realized that guy had talked about that. So, um, but uh, let's see. So yeah, it came from that. Um, I was it was the same character name then, and there was a thing with like one of the other factions where um, they were using a Y on the end of their name and like emphasizing it, just a silly little fucking branding thing kind of deal. And so just me mocking them, I used the EY and uh, yeah, just stuck with it since then. Just was figuring it's different branding and you know, it's a, you know, if you type it in a certain way, it's probably not going to come up, you know, in a search engine, you know, just kind of trying to have like a little bit of a marketing touch to it. All okay. right. Next question is from uh, Jacob Petrie. He wants to know, why did you get that beautiful haircut? Why did I get that beautiful haircut? Because it's beautiful. I think uh, that question answers itself, doesn't it? That's what I said. Yeah. What an idiot that guy is. Fuck him. All right. Well, the biggest thing there, just real quick, is like every everybody started doing uh, big beard and crazy hair, right? So right, you yeah. know, it was definitely not, uh, not that I was the first one to do it or anything, but uh, there was too many people doing it, and it's time for a change. That's fair. I think it's a good look. Yeah. I think that was the right call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm toying around with, uh, I don't know, I mean, self-isolation, I feel like there might be uh, an altered version as well. I don't know yet. Okay. And this might be the best question. (laughs) Uh, Snackheel O'Neal would like to know, would you rather fight 10 Greg Jovi-sized ducks or be managed by 10 duck-sized Greg Jovi's? And I would definitely rather be managed by 10 uh, duck-sized Greg Jovi's. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I'm already, I've already had several ideas just in the uh, time that you've asked that question. So, yeah. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money in that. That's, okay. that's awesome. Well, to, so to... This, yeah, I mean, hey, you're the booker, so. <laughs> I got to get me some ducks. <laughs> get some ducks. Uh, Duck king. Yeah. Yeah. The rise and fall of anarchy because I spent all of our money on ducks. They shit everywhere. Just yeah. a small little uh, side note to that that makes it easier too. Uh, we had a couple of du- uh, a couple of tiny little ducklings uh, in college. Me and my roommate. So that's awful, by the way. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. They chirp well... all night. They shit all over. It's awful. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, they had them on Friends, and it was okay. Yeah, no, it's not. That's a that's a TV <laughs> show, brother. <laughs> not really. Hot take. Hot take. All right. Uh, well, is there anything you we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Um. Anything? No, I mean, I, yeah, I could talk all day about pro wrestling. So you right. know, I think uh, we've probably said more than enough that people will be interested in. Um, um, I want to know what you guys are like. What wrestling are you watching in self quarantine? How about that? I'll be honest with you. I'm not watching anything. Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, watch, what else are you watching outside of wrestling? So I've been watching. I watched uh, Community again. I've caught up on all my shows. I watch like a lot of my shows just season finale. So I might start watching a little bit. Been playing a lot of NBA 2K. Uh, watching a lot of uh, like old basketball games i the fucking last dance documentary just started so i'm excited about that that's like the first tv i've been excited about in a while 
And like, I mean, I've checked out some of the, like the empty arena stuff they're doing. I just can't get into it. I thought WrestleMania was okay for what they what it was. I mean, I've watched some old pay per view matches like here or there, but nothing that really sticks out. Like if me and Gary are watching something, and if like Sean's about over and we're watching something, we might do a thing. It's like okay, pick a wrestler, and then we'll just search him in the WWE network, and then pick a match and watch it and. Yeah, right, you pick a wrestler, and then we'll watch something of his. I love it. Yeah, I'm always. I'm just interested to hear how people are like, uh, you know, uh, you know, adjusting and and you know, spending their time with it. Like I was talking to my brother earlier today. He's watched uh, WrestleMania uh, five. He didn't watch six. And he said he watched seven through twenty so far, and he's gonna wow. try to do as many as he can. You know, this whole thing. So I, you know, I, I think it's it's fascinating as a consumer of pro wrestling i'm real interested to see like i don't want to say wrestling fans as a whole because i don't believe everyone falls under the umbrella but your cynical wrestling fan someone who's usually a big complainer like are they going to appreciate things a bit more when this rolls back out like because you watch like a match with a crowd. If it's a real hot crowd, it's like, man, like this is gone right now. Like when this comes back, I know like I'll appreciate it more. Yeah. You know, I mean, you watch some of the, some of the shows like from the eighties and you see them when they got the crowd really hot and rolling or something. Um, and you, and they really weren't doing that much, you know, necessarily, but the fucking crowd's just fucking going crazy. You kind of wonder if there's going to be a little bit of that aspect of like, you know, people are just wanting to shout, right? Like let's give them fucking something to shout about. They're going to go ape shit. I just, I hope there's a little bit of that. I'm sure a little, I'm sure that'll wear off and, you know, uh, and faster than all of us want it to, you know, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of that. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I feel like the for people who are really good, true baby faces, I think there's going to be a whole brand new connection with the audience that maybe wasn't there before. And uh, I don't know. We we have opportunity ahead of us to make um, something that we all love uh, something that much greater once we're all able to get back together and enjoy it together. Yeah, I know one thing. I know for sure Spalding Hall is going to be rocking. Like, people are going to be going nuts when we're able to finally fill it up again. It's going to be, I mean, there's going to be, I just talking about it and just kind of getting a sense about it, I've got goosebumps, you know, and I can just think of that first moment of what that's going to be like, you know, and uh, it's tough to, it's tough to deal with. I kind of got to put that emotion away a little bit and not really, put myself uh thinking about it because it's uh tough to deal with i'm ready to get going yeah it's still a ways off so we gotta just stay being patient i guess yeah in the meantime you know i've got a lot of a lot of wrestling that like you know i've only seen like once maybe that i want to watch a bunch more of so i've been going through some eras you know some Later ECW, later WCW, some of the WWE when I was off in college and didn't get to see like as religiously as I did when I was a kid and stuff. So I uh, got some good time to just catch up and be a fan. It's cool, but I'm ready to get going. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you pr- appreciate you joining us. You have anything you want yeah, to plug man. at the end? What's that? Anything you want to plug at the end? Um, other wrestlers. 
who are out of work right now. Like I was fairly fortunate that I had um, a pretty solid job and I, I did recently get furloughed, but uh, I'm expected back, uh, you know, when stuff clears up. So um, yeah, I would say, I would say I want to plug my stuff, but I think that there's other people in worse off positions right now. And uh, if you guys can go out and buy one of their t-shirts or, you know, buy, you know, buy any sort of merchandise or any sort of product you can from them. Um, yeah. Just help out folks where we uh, see good folks help out. Yeah, awesome. Man. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. It's always fun talking. Absolutely. Awesome. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that uh, interview with Durden. Um, we are going to put the whole thing up at once. Um, so Because you've already listened to it by now. <laughs> yeah, so you already know that. Uh, look, we, we don't know when we'll be back on the public podcast. Uh, we're trying not to just post filler stuff to the public podcast. Um, we want them to be like content, like interviews or, you know, if if there's really something to come on and cover, we're going to do that on the public podcast, but we don't want to just keep coming on here saying the same thing over and over again, which is we don't know when we'll run again. We don't know what's gonna happen like you know i hear that so many times so we, we will be back on the we're gonna try to set up another interview with someone we don't know who yet uh when we we're also not trying to have we don't want nwl to be a central focus of everything <laughs> right we talk about so we're trying to think of different people to talk to that it, it wouldn't really come up right so you know we're working on that uh we will get one and when we do we'll be back uh for now if you want to support us, if you want to support Anarchy mainly outside of shows, which obviously that's the only way to support us right now, you can do so at patreon.com slash anarchystl. Um, we are posting weekly podcasts on there. Um, they are show reviews. Um, there's some information that's come out, Anarchy information, that we put on there. for So you know, those people hear it first. Um, mm-hmm. Tiers starting as low as two bucks. If you just want to throw a couple bucks to help out, uh, starting at five bucks, you get content. And yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much where we are right now. Um, we haven't made an official announcement yet on June. Uh, it's looking less and less likely, though, that that's going to happen. So, you know, uh, we're still monitoring the situation. We'll see what happens. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at STL Anarchy. Uh, that's where that announcement is going to come down first. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. We are throwing up a ton of content on there. Tons of matches on there if you haven't been there in a while. Uh, some outside-the-box content. Tommy's been working extremely hard on uh, these Anarchy Game Nights. Tons of like game show stuff going on. It's really entertaining. It's really fun. Just something to, for you to watch. Um, it's good stuff, so... Check it out. Uh, that's really about it. Yeah, and Tommy's been killing it. I, I don't know what else to tell you guys. No, oh, yeah, he's done a fantastic... I mean, right, honestly, right now, Tommy's doing more than me. Like, There's no shows, there's no talent, there's no mm-hmm. nothing to do. So Tommy's been really carrying the fucking load of the company by doing the editing these game shows and stuff that he came up with, that he took the initiative on, that he's made happen. 100% him. I've had nothing to do with it. Uh, 
I don't even see the like he sends me like a finished edit, but I don't even watch it because I, I want to watch it with everybody else when we when it premieres on Mondays at six. Yep, because I think I'm coming up soon. Six or six thirty. Uh, yeah. So well, people can hear this before the uh, this episode coming up will be is Christian Rose and Vega. Um, but. Yeah, he's been killing it. He he's really been carrying the load. He's the one that uploaded the free matches, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's all been him. But you know, we're doing what we can to keep to keep providing content. Number one, and just you know, keeping our keeping the Anarchy brand out there, keeping it going until yeah. we're able to do live events again. But until then, uh, we will see you when we see you.